Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, of all ages, welcome back to another episode of the Keel Podcast. I am your host, as always, Alex Keel. Alongside me, the insider of the insiders, <sighs> Tyler Keel. I'm trying to hold my breath as long as you can. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Did it work? I don't think it worked. I think I need to hold it longer next time. You, you get you got to get the breath in there. Get good. Is that better? We're doing it right. I, I can't breathe. Okay, I'm not gonna breathe. Tyler Keel. I'm not gonna breathe because I mean, that's the reason why I play goal, even though it makes no sense because the training I would do with Joe. If you can breathe, make sure to uh, get in the conversation using the hashtag the Keel Podcast, or you know, just tweeting at us at the Keel Podcast. I'm making sure I know. <laughs> Put it on the script that we make sure we Social know. media. Yeah! <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Okay. So, yes. Believe it or not, folks, we as, as disorganized as our show is, we kind of plan ahead. So, I made sure I put social media. Ah, with a lot of A's. So, we made sure to know that to plug our social media. And if you want, yes, I know we haven't done Instagram videos the last couple of weeks. Beforehand, we've been busy. It's been tight. It, life is life is great. Isn't it great? It's great. It's great. It's great. Follow us. Should we get... No, actually, life is pretty excellent, Alex. Because... Excellent. Excellent. You want to know why? Huh? Because it's official. Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter announced yesterday that... Or announced this past week that Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure 3 is being filmed this summer. Oh, my God. It is happening! Woo! That movie's going to suck. It's going to be awesome! Be two middle-aged old dads what are they going? Out. What are they going to do? They're going to open up. You know what they're going to open up for? Arkells. That's who they're going to open up for. Not oh, Iron for, Maiden anymore. Oh, for they're going to open up for Arkells. They're going to open up for Disturbed or something. I don't know. They're going to open up, though. Open up for the Wild Stallions! Woo! Sorry, as you can tell, I'm pretty damn excited about it. Yeah. Um, Because, well, you know... It's kind of a big deal. Well, I understand it's important, but it, here's the thing. LeBron James' Space Jam is going to be better than this crap. No, it's not! Yes, no. it is! Michael Jordan should be the one and only. What what sequel do you have? More aliens? Okay, you're, you're so you're telling what me... What are you telling me? Daffy Duck's going to turn heel? You're telling me the Dumb and Dumber reboot was a quality movie? Oh, no, no, that thing was garbage. That was just a money grab. But this so, one has potential! No, this is a money grab, and you know it. Okay, no, Bogus Journey was a money grab. This one has potential! No. This is like Hangover 3. It's a really, really bad money grab. So wait, you're telling me hey, we're going to take the same concept of the same movie and do it again. Dude, I you're love right. it. We're going to make millions. No, you're not. You're right. It's going to suck. Thought, the hard, the, my question, though, I think the important question we should be asking ourselves is what are they going to do about Rusev? What? Rufus. What? I'm thinking of something in wrestling. Rufus. You're right. Rusev should be Rufus. Rufus. Oh my gosh, my tongue is No, Rusev's, Rusev, uh, Rufus is gone, dude. I know. That's what I'm saying. What are they going to do about it? They're going to have No, to I just... thought he's... Isn't he gone in the storyline? No, he was alive in the last one. Oh, well... George, I don't know what they did. I didn't watch George much George Carlin's been dead for years. He's been dead for 10... Oh my gosh, 10 years. Yeah. Oh man. Well, not 10 years. No, he died in 09. It's been 10 years. No. It's been 10 years, dude. I don't know if it, okay, I don't know exactly, I forgot what month, but it's been at least close to 10 years. He was born, he, was, he passed away in 09. His last special was in 08, when he looked older than dirt. Oh, he looked older than bacteria in the dirt. 
Oh, dang, you're right. He died June 22nd, 2008. So, 2008? Yeah. So it's almost been 11 years. Mm. I'm old. I'm so darn old that Monsters Incorporated is going to be over 16 years old. Yeah. That Shrek began being produced, being created over 20 years ago. Well, yeah, because those kind of movies take forever. Did you know that Chris Farley was supposed to be the original voice? Yes. I did. I, I told you. I remember that. Someone told me like years it made ago. Made perfect sense. It went over, fat boy. And then he, then he, then he died. Well, yeah, because he was fat. No, because he did cocaine. Well, that too. <laughs> he he was also because he was fat. Tim Horton died because he grabbed Sather. No, because he was getting chased by cops going across the border. Mm. <laughs> while he was... Well, there were a lot of substances involved. Makes a lot of donuts. Timmy Harden was not a hey, that man was he was a great donut maker, great businessman. He was not a saint. Probably why the donuts were so good. Oh man, they were they're still good. They're probably least. Hey, I don't care, man. Those sour cream glaze get me going. Anyways, um, so let's get so we're not gonna talk about it too much this week. We'll probably get some more information about it next week, and we'll talk about it on Tuesday, since today is Thursday, for those of you who are keeping track of when these shows are made. Thursday, the 21st of Sunday, March. Monday. We're going to do seven-day-a-week yeah, show. Sunday, Lord Monday. Savior, 2019. We're going to become a podcast, but like Sports Center and, you know. Ba-na-na, ba-na-na. But like better because, no, no, not really. No, no. not really. C- kind of a lot worse. I mean, because they don't have squeaky chairs. I have my squeaky chair. This thing is like loose, too. I feel like if I lean forward, this thing's going to like snap off and I'm going to have like half a chair. I mean, that'd be a fun to show to do. A fun to show to do. A fun to show to do. See, exactly. You're right, Alex. We we're, we're amazing. We'll be center of sport. Um, sport. So, yeah. Can, can that be the episode, name of the episode? Center of sport. Center of sport. No, there, that means... There you go. Well, we're going to get bored. One of the, You know what? In, in the summer, we're going to get bored, and we're just going to straight up do a baseball episode. Just out of the blue. I don't want to do a baseball episode. All right, this guy's batting 300, and uh, that's pretty I, good. I don't know what that means. <laughs> He's batting all right. It's lucky percent. I, you know what's funny? I played baseball. I love baseball. I watch it. I broadcast it. I have no idea what slugging percentage is. Dude, no. Somebody, nobody ever explained that to me. So uh, we'll talk about it more next week. But E six hit. Okay, wait, what? Um, there was a agency that represents former NHLers, including the unknown, uh, the unnamed accounting firm. Yes. Yeah, an accounting firm that Greenleaf not, Trust. I'm kidding. Um, Patrick Wall, Dale Horchuk, Down Akashik, Jeremy Roenick, or some of the names. You say uh, wait, Howardchuk? Yeah, David or Dale Howardchuk. Yeah, oh, you said Horchuk. I'm like, well, you mean Peter Horchuk? No, Dale Horchuk. See, Peter Horchuk doesn't deserve a lip of anything. Um, but they wrote to the NHL Players Union, um, Executive Director Don Fair, about the basically demanding the financial information regarding prospective claims against the league for misreported revenue. So what does that mean for Ronick and his job with NBC? That's my question. Well, it's po- it's possible that either a they reported too much revenue on behalf of the players and they're getting taxed too much for it because they didn't make that much, or b they didn't uh, report enough and they feel like it, either way it if there's a misreporting of any sort of revenue, it's just a bad bad whole situation. So it's ho- a, hopefully it's that not, situ- it's, it's not a good time. So hopefully that situation gets remedied, remedied, and we get to tell you about the solution on the next episode. But the first, and I think a really big thing, um, the world. Oh, I want to make sure I get this correctly. Um, 
they are calling it the, the Global Series, as we they did this past season, where they did a couple games in Europe as regular season games, um, is now an annual thing. Um, they announced three games during the 2019-2020 season. Um, three, three games, two of which are going to be in Sweden. The first one um, being in October. I want to say October the 4th. I'm right in Prague. That's going to be the Philadelphia Flyers, who, uh, by the way, if you weren't paying attention, Jakob Voracek plays for them, uh, who is a... If you live under a rock and... Well, if you're listening to the show, you probably know who Jakob Voracek is. Yeah, and they're going to be playing the Chicago... Even our friends from San Jose do that. Right, they're going to be playing the Chicago Blackhawks on the 4th, and then they are also going to have two games in Stockholm, Sweden, on November 8th and 9th between the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have Norris Trophy winner Victor Hedman on their team, versus the Buffalo Sabres, who has the 2018 first-round top pick, Rasmus Dahlin, fabulous he, Dahlin from Sweden. Well, let's see. I mean, there's also Alex Nylander, Linus Allmark, the backup. Right, but those, those are like the two big ones. Hey, Nylander got a goal last night. Almost both Nylanders scored last night. That would have been, been sick. Poor... Mike, oh, old daddy Mike, Papa Mike would have been like, yeah, or however you'd say it, probably like, yeah, more, yeah, yeah, money. more money, yeah, money, more, yeah, more money. money. Here comes the money. Oh, I, okay, well, quickly noting, like they did the interview with Alex Nylander after the second period. Didn't even ask him one about the game. I, I know Sean's got a job and he's got questions to ask, but didn't even ask him once about the game. Just what's it like playing with your brother? What's it like playing against your brother? Blah blah blah. I'm like. Do the kids play in a game? Ask him how the game's going, too. Be kind and courtesy. Well, I mean, it's it's he wants to get... I know it's the story. I understand yeah. that. You got you can't just sell game after game after game because season but after season, it's going to get old. You got to sell a story. Having multiple... It's it's kind of like how everyone... So the next year when they play each other four times, Nylander against Nylander, Nylander well, against it, Nylander, Nylander against Nylander. Yeah, it's the second time. It happened last year, too. Well, think of it the same way. All throughout their career in Vancouver... What what did the Vancouver media talk about? They talked about the Sedins. Because they were playing good. And and every single year that yes, the, if they there had, were more than right. two Stahl brothers that played in the league. Oh my goodness, what is it like playing against your brother? It and, did you know, get old after Jordan and Mark played against each other and Eric and then Eric joined Jordan and all that stuff, but but eventually gets old. I guess they only play each other a couple times a season, but it will get old. But you should have asked about that. Anyway, sorry, continue, Alex. Is that, is that um, really so, and then there was, sorry, go ahead. So there's that news in regards to um, world and international hockey, I guess you could say. And I'm glad, then I'm also... Glad, I'm glad they keep it up. Are they not doing the Chinese games next year then? That is up in the air. They may or may not do that. After one year? Well, they they might end up doing it, but I think the Global Series as a whole, I think that's where their focus is. Because well, right, but that's part of the Global Series, shouldn't it be? Well, you also have I would to think, think where, so. Then again, what do I know? I'm just well. The Swedish league have the, their Swedish like professional league, and but that's, you want to but you want to keep growing the game, and obviously you're trying to build up to Beijing 2022. Right, you may so as well I, keep I'm thumping sh- it in there until you actually get a sellout crowd. And you know what? This is all. This is just what they've announced so far. So they may even have more games. And I, I know think it a, takes a lot with the Chinese government to get approval for those things. Yeah, yeah, it's probably it's true. kind of a communist country tie. Really? Haven't read the news in the last... Actually, I don't read the news, but haven't paid You really don't. I don't read the news, and I'm glad because you want to know why? I, I don't want to... I, I, yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 yeah, no point in getting into it. 
Um, but talking about international hockey, our our good buddy Brian Burke, you know, Mister Flowmaster himself. He's not my buddy. No, Fridge is my good friend of mine. Burke is. I don't talk to him. Him and I are not on um, good terms. So I wanted to ever get- since he uh, ever since he lambasted Nazem Kadri, yeah, and Don wanted, Cherry. Him I, and I haven't talked. Yeah, but I wanted to get your opinion on what he said about the World Cup of Hockey. You actually want my opinion? I do. Are you sure about this? I'm is this a, is this a road you want to take? Absolutely, positively sure. So he said, "quote The World Cup of Hockey is the future future of international hockey." Now, what I'm think he's referring to, as I'm trying to pull up the uh, article here, if I can, way to be prepared, big shooter. Actually, no, it's a video, so I'm not going to pull it up. Who am I kidding? We actually had like five minutes to prepare the show, so who basically. Um, so you have kind of these all-star teams, like you had North America, who had both Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews on the same. And Jack Geichel. And, and Morgan ja- Riley. Exactly. And Johnny Goudreau. And, and, John and, 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 I mean, it's just basically like Nathan all-star. McKinnon. It's all-star teams. Of course. Have- representing, obviously, a country or, in, in that case, you know, a continent. Which I'm not too keen on. I don't like the fact that Team North America goes versus the United States or Team North America goes versus Okay, that Canada. was just something they tried because they didn't want to add like a Slovakia and have them get killed. Okay? That was the point. Like an having like the Czech Republic by themselves got smoked. Well, yeah. Slovakia they, by themselves would get smoked. That's just how it bring is. Bring back the Czechoslovakia, eh? Have, <laughs> I, I don't know how well that's gonna go over, but no, it politically could try. that would not be good. What do you mean we got to combine and get... Oh, just for hockey? Ugh, okay, okay. Mm, we had a stretch. And Slovakia's like, yes, please, we have a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. Well, Team Europe only won... Okay, Team Europe was pretty much Slovakia with a couple of German players and... And, um... Oh, good Lord. Yaroslav Halak. Yeah, basically. And that was pretty much... And, of course, they played the old-fashioned one. They played... They took hockey back to the 90s. And that was Right. So, so your opinion... Do, do you see... The future of international hockey being obviously the Olympics. Do you see it going back to back when you had you know Shanahan and all of those players on the same team as like all star teams for that? You're country? You're talking. Is it going to be like the World Cup in football or soccer? Is right, that, where it basically well, every team heart, is stacked to, here's to the, the possible thing, team. The, the thing is about it, Alex, and this is why I always wonder what would happen if this were the case. If you really wanted to do it, you could. The problem is, obviously, they didn't do it in 2020 because of the possible lockout. Now, whether or not that gets changed, who knows, okay? Right. But the the if you want to do it, first of all, you'd have to... Because always people always know Olympic soccer is not the biggest thing. World Cup, on, on the other hand, that's the be-all, end-all. Even, right. even, even the Euro tournament, UEFA Euro tournament, that thing is still arguably one of the biggest tournaments in the sport. Right. Now, that said... I'm not sure if that'll when you would do it. Do you really? Because here's the problem: as much as you love it, right before the season, kind of in the middle, of, you know, when you're having training camp and all that, as cool as it is, you got to find a way to give the players a break. I mean, it's not like you want to bring them back in the middle of summer when the guys are probably half in the bag and haven't trained at all. I mean, that'd be an awful tournament to watch. Well, it'd be it'd be kind of like how and you don't want to do it. You don't want to do it in the middle of the season, even though yes, technically, you know, you kind well. Actually, no, World Cup, not really. World, I mean, Cup and, it, World Cup and soccer, MLS is pretty much the only, the out of all the big leagues, if you will, considering yeah, it's, the world, it's the, it's like, the only one compar- that has a conflict. Compared to La Liga, Premier League, yes, yeah. the MLS is the only one that really has an issue. 
the NHL is not going to cut their season for both the Olympics and the World Cup of Hockey. Now, if you want it to be where the world, where the Olympics is more, like I said, the Olympic soccer, where it's yes, it's kind of a big deal, but you're not going to you're not going to send NHLers, you're not going to stop your season for it. Okay, what they're going to have to really focus on is when do they want to do it. Would well, you, they it's going to be every it's going to be every four years, just like the World Cup of Hockey or World Cup of Soccer. Well, the, uh, what I was thinking is that they could do it kind of like how they used to for the Olympics and hockey, where it was an event during the Summer Olympics, and you. So, so, but yeah, so you have to do it so in the you summer. En- so you'd end your season, right? <clears throat> and after the guys are exhausted. And then, and then you have a, like a break or what have you, just like a couple weeks. And then you have the players See, I, that are selected for the World Cup teams but you, go there's and a problem. train then you have with the, the World, World Cup Then you teams. have the World Championships already. You already have the World Championships in April and May. So you, don't, you're, you aren't going to do it then. So you almost have to do it before the season again like they did the last World Cup. Well, then you could do it in June or July. No, because like I said, then you're not going to have the players from the Stanley Cup Finals or any of the playoffs because they're not going to want to play. Listen, the thing is about it is that you're going to have players that won't want to play. There's just going to be, there's no question about it, okay? Well, there's players that don't want to play for the Olympic teams. Oh, well, exactly. I mean, that's just how it is. Some players don't want to go over that. I understand that. So, you're gonna, so yes, you're going to gamble with losing players. But if you want to make it a thing, first of all, you have to make it more consistent. So, yes, 2020 would be the year you have to. Now, could you plan it in a year? I'm not sure. Well, yeah, I'm sure you but could I'm plan sure it in a year. You could figure it out. Would it be the same as it was in 2016-2017 where they had I mean, let's be honest, it was kind of announced only a year in advance. More I think. I could be wrong on that. Don't quote me on that. But it, it was wasn't a, it like, was around a year. It wasn't a long drawn out wait, you know? I mean that like I said, I I remember when we went when Kelly went to the Leafs game. They was they were promoting it then. They were promoting it but it had already been set in stone. So if you could make it to where you were certain that there's going to be hockey after the 20, the lot, the C, the NHL won't back out of the CBA, nor the players will, then yes, you can go ahead with it. However, by the time the players can, it will be after the World Cup of Hockey. So the, if the league really wanted to do it, if the league felt very comfortable in the CBA and wanted to ride it out through 2022, then yes, go ahead and start planning for it now. Obviously, don't have it in Toronto because you already did that, and Toronto's seen enough hockey. Right. Have it bounce. Heck, have it go up and down. Have it maybe be in Montreal and then have it either in Boston or even Buffalo or something like that, just in one of those areas in the Northeast. Yes, Minnesota could do it. Would you like it down in Florida? No, too much travel because well, you well, can't just have one in Florida. I'm well, sorry. Well, here's my question. Well, it was it's never ran, a good idea. It's ran by the IIHF, correct? No, NHL. The last one was ran by the NHL. The last two, it. No, that's, where, that's where I think I have I have a problem with it because if you think about it, no, because it's NHL players. The world, well, the World Cup is ran by who? FIFA. It is the yes, international, the ever so lovely dovey. Now hold on. No, very run with me on this. Very good. It's the federation that very runs. Very ethical FIFA. It's not very ethical. That's a different story for a different day. Now that being said, it's the overseeing governing body of soccer across the globe, besides the. IOC. Right. Right. So that's where the IIHF would come in. Because if if the world yes, because the, the, world, IHA, Cup, the, the world Cup works very NHL. well. The World Cup works very well and it's great for all parties. That being said, for, it's, well, it's ran by on FIFA. On the outside, on the surface, yes. It looks right, good. and it's ran by FIFA. So why wouldn't the World Cup of Hockey be ran by the International Governing Body Federation, the IIHF, because, instead of just the NHL? Because the NHL and IIHF 
are not on the same. Then page. it should not be called the World Cup of Hockey. You can bring players. That's what the that's why the Olympics are for. Yes, there would have because be then lot. then then you have there the would NHL have to be a lot. Who, there'd have to be a lot of negotiations, discussions, money talking, money laundering, let's be honest here, to get this job done. I mean, if I'm, you want it like that. All I'm saying is it, okay, it's it's kind of yeah, it's kind of unethical that the NHL is trying to control a world game. I'm just saying That's though, what I'm saying. Alex There's a reason why I know the last time the Hawks went into it, they I, they went over to European tournament, they didn't win, but that's because they sold their entire team. There's a reason why the Stanley Cup champions don't go play in the Champions Hockey League overseas. I mean, they should because they would run the table. They should run the table unless they sent like their AHL team. Even then, that team would have a chance to win. I mean, think about it though. What? It, but here's the problem: it's so hard to do it because you're in the middle of your own season trying to compete into another season. It's very difficult. And it's very hard, especially travel, money, costs, and all that other mumbo jumbo. Getting ever getting players' passports, getting them able to go overseas, getting all that. It is not all players easy have to do. passports. You're, excuse me. Yes, but it is hard to take time out of your schedule. Where the NHL, is, as you know, it's not like like I said, go overseas in the UEFA Champions League. Manchester United said, "All right, we're going to play this week, so we can't play any games this week, guys, or we have two games one week. You can't just take time off." The NHL season then would go from late August to July, if that were the case. Yeah, but they won't do that. The players' union won't do it. The league won't do it. It won't happen. That's why the Champions Hockey League is never an opportunity for an NHL team. That's why it's only a European thing. That said about the World Cup of Hockey, if you wanted to bring in players, go ahead, sure. Here's the thing with that, Alex. The best players in the world play in the National Hockey League. 99% of the best players in the world play in the, play in the NHL. If you still people think that Pavel Dotson can come back and play in this league, I'm sorry. He would compete, but look at Eli Kovalchuk. Yes, right. he plays on a garbage team. But is he, a game be- cha- is he a game changer? Absolutely not. He's not the same Kovalchuk from 2012. I'm sorry, everybody. Take a seat, sit down, and calm down and shut your mouth. Fair enough. I'd, I'd like it, too. I'd love it. I'd love it to be the big tournament. However, it's going to be I very difficult. I just think it'd be so much more entertaining because because that's something you don't see. You don't see it. You'd have to cut the NHL season down to, like, 60 games. What's wrong with that? The fact that you're not playing the NHL, playing in the NHL, I, I'd rather watch 82 games a year and just hope they would actually be in the Olympics. And I'd like the World Cup of Hockey to be a little bit more of a of a bigger thing. The same way I'd like to be the World Championship. Well, yeah, and the only reason why the World Championships is never a big thing because the Double IHF says, "All right, we're always going to have this tournament during the, the NHL playoffs." That's just how it is. Yeah, and, and, it's, I've, and, and it I sucks. Res- and I respect that because the Double, double IHF wants to do their own thing. Because the World Championships, because don't forget, the European season starts in early September, the regular season. Right. And they play like 45, 50 games some leagues. So that's why the World Championships are after those playoffs. The KHL has already been decided. So don't, or almost decided. Oh, right. So that, that's what I'm saying. Does the NHL season have to be that long? It's not that long. It just starts later. Well, it starts later and it goes through longer and they have their more games. Well, yes, because they play during the week. A lot of European leagues, Alex, not many people know this, but they only play on the weekends. It's not like they play every other night like the NHL. They have the same kind of a schedule that you would see in ECHL or an AHL Well, right, team. but wouldn't you think that the 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 actual like quality of the games would be better if they played Can you on, imagine only on the weekends? No, I wouldn't like it. Because then, you, then I, you have well-rested players that have an entire week to prepare for a game, 
and then every game is just that much more important. Instead of what having... What do you want this to be? The NFL where you play and, two games a week? And then instead of having, you know, you know, oh, we, there's a doubleheader, you know, we brought in Sparks, and, you know, that's why we lost. But that's part of the game. That's fine. We'll get into him but later. But, but I don't... I like the every other night a week because it gives me something to watch. Could you imagine playing, having games Friday and Saturday and waiting a week and let... Especially some people like myself who just fester over losses like that. The nice part about having the games every other night is like, all right, today sucks, but we got them tomorrow. You have games tomorrow. Keep it going. It's a rhythm. But these guys are so... these guys are built to do that. What's the problem? Not necessarily. That's why people get injuries so much. You see people that have, oh, this guy's he's out with an ACL injury. Oh, this guy's he a- tore he hit he got hit in the knee. Listen, it happens. Injuries happen all the time. You're right, also, Alex, why, you're right, Alex, and why doesn't baseball play only 45 games a year to play on Friday and Saturday from April to September, call of the season, shorten the season by half? Because that's just not how the game works. Well, let me give you something to think about before we move on. Do you think goalies would last longer if they had a more spread out schedule like that, that was less games? Where they're not Today, destro- Maybe. Where but they're don't not forget, destroying their groins. When they were playing sixty-five, you know, playing sixty-five games back in the seventies, one goaltender would play sixty-four games a season. Yeah, it's, it's just how the game is. Goalies adapt, players adapt. It happens. We've had eighty-plus games for over thirty years in this hockey league, and yes, the game has changed. Mike Richter is not. Yes, long are the days that play that goaltenders can play seventy games a season. Don't forget, at one point there were eighty-four games in this NHL season. Can't wait for that to go up because it's going to have to with the addition of Seattle. You already have enough issues trying to play divisional teams and teams in your own conference. Now you add another team you have to play two games against. That messes everything up. So you're going to have to worry about that now next season or in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, moving on, though. So, But don't ever think about extending the playoffs. For gosh sakes, if whoever thought of that idea deserved to be taken out back and beaten with a lead pipe. No. I'm sorry. That's the dumbest idea ever. No, I think they should make the playoffs the same or shorter. No, it should be the same. What's wrong with it? You're going to have, yes, you're going to have half the conference make it, half the conference miss. So what? I'm sorry, it's not 1984 where everybody makes the playoffs except for those really two, those two really bad teams. The Leafs made the playoffs for three or four years in a row with a losing record, Alex. Talking about the playoffs, three teams have officially clinched playoff spots. Three, pick number three, my lord. That being Tampa, San Jose, and Calgary. Calgary! Remember the team that you think never was good enough, Alex? Calgary! Made it. With they proved two, me wrong, and you know what? I'm happy for with it. Two, I would rather, with two decent goaltenders. I'm rather that, I would rather League have, average goaltender. I would rather them shut me up and prove me wrong than prove me right every single They're going to blow the room off the saddle. The they're going to get into the playoffs. They're going to make a deep run. They're going to blow the roof off the saddle dome, so then they will have to get a new arena. So with Tampa clinching a playoff spot, they also clinched the President's Trophy. Being yeah, on that, March 18th. Almost yes. a month before the season actually ends. A month before the playoffs start. Right. When did the 96 Wings do that? When did they clinch? I don't, I don't know. But they good on them because obviously they deserve it. They are the best team in the world. We've talked about it numerous times on the show. They are in a league of their own. I think the playoff system screws them over. You think that... The GMs don't want to mess with it because obviously it works best for, you know, the, you know, not so good teams to play other not so good teams and get further into the playoffs compared to getting completely destroyed by Tampa in a sweep in the first round. It's just, well, that's normal. That's one versus eight. 
My thing is that finally a Metro team is above the Leafs. <laughs> With Washington winning again last night, they were able to jump the Leafs. Washington, by the way, who jumped Tampa. By the way, if, if Tampa goes 6-2 in their last eight games here, they set the record. They need to win six games. Yes, Ron Bolt watch here. But nonetheless, that game last night against Washington, they're up 3-1. Yeah. Very comfortable. Tampa showed. They showed me, Alex, what I've always been saying about them. What? They're great in the regular season. Awesome. They may set the record for most wins. But did that 96 Wings team win the cup? No. Do you also think it's partially the fact that they already clinched a playoff spot? Do they need to work as hard? Save your energy. Save your energy, though. I don't think another team's going to get this close for a few more years, Alex, of 62 wins. Okay, but is is getting the record worth expending spending yourself so much They've right before the playoffs? They've been expending themselves the whole season, Alex, from game one on. Well, this team is going. It doesn't matter if they rest players now; they're going to be gas come playoff time. Yes, you're right. They'll probably sweep Columbus or Montreal, whoever gets in that last spot. You're right. They'll probably whoop them in the first round. And yes, they'll probably beat up a tired Boston or Toronto team. But guess what? The Bolts are going to have to run into either Washington or Pittsburgh. Sorry, Islanders fans. Yeah, you're going to have a good year. You ain't going to do it. I apologize. You ain't going to do it. Right, so they've clinched, and obviously it's good for Calgary and San Jose to also have clinched because those teams, um, I like watching them in the playoffs. I think they've got a lot of talent there, and Calgary's just been, you know, the team that apparently cannot go wrong. They've been doing everything right this season. They've been doing, you know, they did not too much trading. I don't, did they... They didn't make I don't think tra- they traded anybody. Traded yeah, anybody I was about to say I don't. I don't remember any anything of even noteworthy, if at all, for them. So obviously they decided to do something correct. They, the, they don't need to because the know, team maybe, has been so good this year. What do you need? What can you add within and, the cap? Of course, don't forget they're what? in a cap. This massive. is something that's been in the back of my mind before. It's like, what's really the reason of picking somebody up at the like the trade deadline? Because if you think about it, if you, you need a hole, here's the problem: Tampa doesn't show any holes right now. Well, right. Their backup and, is and, riding motorcycles. He's that good. He is a legend. Louis Domingue is the worst goaltender in the world, but thankfully plays in, again, plays with a good team. He's allowed to be funny. He's allowed to be funny because he doesn't have to do anything. He's got, what, are they going to put pressure on him in the playoffs? No, it's Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky I mean, gets if hurt. Vasilevsky gets hurt, it's You're right. possible. Who's the goalie for Syracuse? I don't know. Because I ain't playing Domingue. I'd, put, I'd rather play Domingue over an AHLer. No offense. I don't know. If, no, is it is it still Gudlevsky? You are asking. Wall. You're asking the wrong person. Um. So there's that. Uh, going over to Toronto for a hot second. Um. Apparently, there's been some you know speculation between the uh, relationship with one Kyle Dubis and Mike Babcock. Okay. This people is what, people have been talking about this for a long time. This is what happens. By the way, Eddie Pascal is one of the goaltenders. He's the starting goaltender for Syracuse. I just had to look it up. Yeah, I might bring up Pat Pascal. Yeah. Anyways, Taylor Radish. Okay, sorry. Focus. But listen. Listen. Listen upstairs. Babies are crying because of the Leafs. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing is, this is what happens when a team loses, what, four out of five in a week? And four out of five badly? Listen, I understand, yes. I People are starting to realize the importance of Jake Gardner on a team. There are, and I'm not saying James Gardner would save the day and be Superman because let's be honest, he's never been that kind of a player. He's never been that. He, he can make plays. 
He can be an offensive defenseman. He can create opportunities. He can, at times, he is a capable defenseman in his own zone. But I don't think him and Dermott missing are the issue. The problem is that everyone freaks out when you lose. And yes, the team was sick. They were coming off a West Coast road trip. All the excuses were made under the sun. The problem is, is that we said I said it last week, and after the Chicago game, the Philly game, especially the Ottawa game, I can say it again. This team just did not look ready. They just didn't look like they were prepared for any game. And this one brought I let me go. Let's get to the Sparks thing first before I dive into Babcock and Dubas. Okay. Garrett Sparks. We are running a little bit short for time because obviously we have schedules and everything, but we, we're gonna get as much as we can in. But that's for so we'll 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 get into it another. We'll get into more, and then obviously we'll we're gonna have a different format for the show today. But getting into Leafs, Garrett Sparks who never talks, who shouldn't ever talk, admitted that he made a silly mistake when he was talking to the uh, Leafs media in a presser where he said, quote... So after the... Hold on. After the Leafs got thumped by the Senators, beaten by the worst team in the National Hockey League... Yep. He said... He said, quote, we need more emotion. I'm an emotional player, and we need guys to step up. We need people to get... We need guys to get mad... And we, we, need, we need guys to get more emotional. It's kind of a phrasing quote. But yes, I agree with what he says. You're right. The team needs to show more. I, said, I no, don't. I he is on. a backup. Hold on. I agree that I agree what was said. That he should have said it? No, exactly. He's not really late of the room. But you know what? He's mad after a, a horrible game. There's a reason why I would never be able to do the media. I would never be, be able to be on the other side of the microphone. Win or lose, I could not be the one being interviewed. Because I don't know what I would say. You're in the heat of the moment. You get asked a question. Yeah, that's what he answers. Does the team need more motion? Absolutely. Did they need it? Did they did they play awful? You're gosh darn right they played horrible. Did they deserve to have any having a shot in that game? They should have been a better team. That team last week, the Leafs we saw last week, reminded me of what it was like when Ron Wilson was coach. I'm serious. It was that bad. It was that bad. The I Leafs- just I just dis- I just disagree with the fact that Garrett Sparks thought it was a even slightly a good idea for him to talk. You're right. He came His back. His job is a backup goaltender. You're right. Should he have should fringe he been, backup should goaltender? Should he have been the one to say it? Absolutely not. Remember when Freddie called out his team last year? That was right because Freddie is the leader in that locker room. Correct. Was, he is the but, starting goaltender. But you have to agree with the fact that what he said was true. Just not It has some merit to it. No, he has it has a lot of merit to it. Should it have came from him though? Absolutely not. Should have been a guy from a guy like Morgan Riley, should have been from Nazem Kadri. Yes. It should have been a guy from a veteran presence in that lock. Austin Matthews could have said it. No, he could. Of course, Austin You want to know why? Because he's part of the problem. No. Austin. Yes, he is. You look at him, he is not interesting Are, to have watch. Have you not watched the last two games he's played? Are you kidding me? You no, talk about I, need I know more I emotion, talk about need more compete. Austin Matthews dang near is right on Morgan Riley's heels for captain because of the last two games he's played. The time, yes, I think with Garrett Sparks saying it, did it maybe rub some guys the wrong way? Probably. But then, but you see guys like play games like Austin Matthews had and games like games captain had, especially last night against Buffalo. That it kind of worked a little bit. Did it? Well, because like, it was probably okay. People pulled him aside and were like, "You're a dumbass." But at the same time. They they're probably like, all right, you shouldn't have said that. But I, you're, I being I being quote like a Morgan Riley or someone else, or even Babcock. Hey, you shouldn't have done that. I don't no. think Babcock says anything. You shouldn't have said that. You're the backup ba- goaltender. Ba- you don't have a lot of place in this room. Babcock right? didn't say anything to him. Babcock he has, could have. 
He needless to say, probably if somebody told him, all right, you know what's going to happen now? We're going to have our veterans be like, you know what? Garrett said something stupid, but you know what? He's right. And they that's, play- where, that's where the captains and have that- to come in and scrape up the crap that he messed they up. They played a much And they're going to have to... Take it from there. Despite losing 3 nothing against Nashville, they played much better. Last night against Buffalo, dominated the Sabres, played a great game. Sparks held his own. He put his money over his mouth. This had to make some big saves there when they were only up by one. But, and like I said, it may not have may not have been great coming from a backup goaltender, but... It really hurts his stock. We'll see how... Well, who cares? He's already signed. We'll see how it goes on Saturday against the Rangers, because then you got... Isn't, isn't his new contract two-way? No, it's still, it's still a one-way. But the thing is about it, so going back to Babcock and Sparks. So obviously during the four out of five, everyone's like, oh my gosh, team, you know, the sky's falling. Myself Babcock included. and Dubas. Myself included. So what did I say? You said Babcock and Sparks. Babcock and Dubas. Sorry. They were kind of, there there, was, there weren't things said, but there may have been things said behind closed doors. But long story short, Babcock pretty much said, people thought he was calling out Dubas by saying this. But he said, quote, you're supposed to build the best program, or, um, excuse me, uh, you're supposed to build the best program you can you can, so you have much depth, so you don't miss people. If you have enough, you don't miss a beat, and you keep going. There's other there's there's other teams that have done a better job when different players are out, and we have keep going. That just tells you what state we're at, and you just got to keep adding better players. Pretty much, it all, for everyone thought he was calling out Dubas. Now, I went, just hearing that, I don't think so. It's uh, yes, you're right. Has okay. First of all, let's be honest. A lot of people are at wits with Mike Babcock. Well, yeah. L- let's be fair here. Okay, People have looking, their opinions if you're looking of at everybody. That guy, it, yes, Igor Ojeganov had a horrible game against Nashville. Had a better game last night against Buffalo. Justin Hall, let's be honest, before Gardner went out, played two games. Two games all season. And anyone who says, well, he should have been ready, well, there's a reason why Josh Levo was excommunicated, because he didn't play. Imagine if Josh Levo, Josh Levo was a regular NHLer, Alex. Shoot, who would you want to play, Tyler Ennis or Josh Levo? I don't know. Who's Josh still? Levo, because you want to know what? He's tearing it up in Vancouver. Oh, my. Because he's, he's getting opportunity. Opportunity. He's getting opportunity. He never an opportunity got here, let me tell you. But that's why, and I think, you know, when you see, like I said, Justin Hall played two games. He, you know what? He looked a lot better last night because he's getting he reps. He did. He's playing better because he's played. Imagine what happens if you sit a guy for six months and you tell him, go on the ice and play 20 or eight or even five minutes. You're going to stink because wh- I don't know how to play in a game. I know how to, I know how to be. I, they, I know. They're, they're going to look Steve like... Steve Dangle said it best. He's the best stick and puck player on the Leafs. However, how would you know that by his right. gameplay? Well, he's... He, if you take a player out for that long and then you tell him to go play five to ten minutes or whatever a night, he's going to look like more, uh, William Nylander did when he first came back. Yeah, everyone's freaking because out. He was not, because, because players he was like not, that are not up to game not speed. Game shape, they, game speed, exactly. They know how to play the game. They know how to do their job. They've proven it before because obviously they're playing in the best league in the world. And Justin Hall, they yes. belong there. That being said, they have to play consistently to be a consistent player. And it's everyone's like Justin Hall scored two goals in his first two games in the NHL. Yes, because he was playing with the Marlies right before that. So he was in game shape. So when he got pushed in the lineup, he could play. He got brought right back. This year he played a couple games early on. Didn't look great because he played one game here. One game in Christmas, and now he's playing a few in a row. He's getting better. Now, yes, when Gardner looks like Dermot is going to come back here soon, Gardner Hopefully. is not. Uh, there is no good word on that right now. And everyone's, uh, there's rumors going around that he may never wear a Leaf sweater ever again. I mean, there's all that kind of talk. So, yes, you may see Justin Hall here in the Stanley Cup playoffs as a third pairing right hand defenseman, which I'm okay with because the Leafs need right handed shooting defensemen. And they're a commodity. 
They need him. And guess what? If Hull keep and Hull keeps improving, yes, keep going down the stretch. Do they keep playing better? Get a little more confidence? Come playoff time? Yes, it's a different kind of game. But Justin Hall just went through an entire playoff run with the Marlies. So he knows how to win in that scenario. Yes, HL, H, NHL, that is a big jump. There is no, there is a massive. It's still kind of same format. There's though. a, ma- yes, but going through the grind. Yes, I agree with that. But there is a massive gap between any league. Go down the NHL to AHL, AHL to ECHL, ECHL to all the other outlaw leagues. The feds. The, the, the interstate hockey league. No, don't even start with me. I'm a general manager, damn it. <laughs> Woohoo! But the thing is, is that he knows what it takes to win a, win a championship in pro hockey. Is it different? Yes. But getting guys to play consistently, that's been the problem with Babcock. Like, listen, yes, you want to build a team that's going to win every single night. But when you don't when you don't play guys for three months and expect them to come out and stand out and be a plus three with two assists and played 15 minutes, you know what? You're asking a lot. So, yes, you want to point the finger at Dubas for not developing these players? Fine. Dude, look, Let's point the finger back at you and say, why hasn't he been playing this long? You're telling me Ojiganov was deserved, deserved to play 15 games in a row? No. <laughs> and I understand, yes, it's tight spots, but you got to keep rotating players in and out. And I'm sure these players understand. As much the, as you can, with the With the talent they have, Patan and Ennis and all that, and obviously there's a reason why Par Lindholm got traded because there was going to be no spot for him. You got to keep rotating players in and out, and these players should understand with the amount of talent this team has. Just because they're getting traded in on the line, not because they're a bad player, but because they got to keep players fresh. So when you want, because guess what? Unless if you're going to put your own keeping players fresh, if if you're gonna if you're gonna if you want to put your personal matters aside and want to win a championship, you got to sacrifice a little bit. Yes, Nick. Yes, you're right. Nick Patan, he already got his extension. Tyler. Yes, Tyler Ennis probably wants a contract now for over a million bucks, maybe a million and a half. Yes, he probably wants and to play. And he deserves it. And you're right, he does. He doesn't, I know, let's be honest. What he I deserves like, 1.25 at least, he and deserves, he deserves to be a roster player. He does, exactly. But does he want to win, or does he want to make a contract next year? I, well, I'd want to win, because guess what? Stanley Cup champions make money. Dave, Dave Bolin won a cup in 2013 with the Hawks, and the Leafs gave him an arm and a leg for him. They gave him half of Young Street just to get him to come play for Toronto. Exactly. Because and he was that's, no more than a fourth liner. Well, okay, that's, me, on that Leafs team, he was about a second liner. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, perennial fringe first liner. Yeah, on the uh, yeah, and then he cut his wrist and all that. But, no. but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I, under- team, I understand what you're if saying. If you keep rotating players, they'll stay fresh, they'll stay good, they'll keep playing well anytime you put them in the line. I'm not saying flip them off every single night, but like give a guy a couple, two, and three in a row, play the other guy a couple, two, or three in a row. And yes, if one guy's cold, yes, you may want to give the guys a little bit longer. But going into the season right now, you, you're pretty sure you're in a playoff spot. You have 93 points. You have a little bit of time left. You're going to play Boston. You ain't going to catch him. I'm sorry. You're not going to. No. Get not, over it. Not the way you're playing. Get over it. Even if you go on an amazing run, Boston's going to go on an amazing run too. You want to keep players fresh. You want to keep everyone ready to play at all times. Keep everyone edge. Have the players compete against themselves and earn their chance to play in the playoffs. Right. But by the playoff time, everyone should be ready to play. Yep. That's the way to run it. GM, may, you're right. You know what, Babs? Maybe you have some substance, but guess what? You got to put your money where your mouth is. It's okay, Tyler. You know what's going to happen? The Leafs, the the Red Wings only won one playoff series after Lidstrom retired. I just want everyone to remember that. Yep. One playoff series. This is what's going to happen, Tyler. This is the plan, right? This is what I have written out. It's the Shanna the, plan? The plan. Shana no, it's, plan it's not the Shanna plan. It's the, it's the Keel plan. I'm going to learn how to be a GM. I'm gonna go be a GM, and I'm gonna win, and I'm gonna get, I'm gonna go be the GM for the Leafs, and then I'm just gonna have you in my ear. 
Hey, I don't think this guy should be on lease. Okay, uh, we're sending you down. You can't do that. I'm on a one-way contract for 4.5. We're sending you down, Jeff Finger. You're going to clear waivers. You want to know why? Why? You you suck. suck. (laughs) Because you suck. I don't care if you're making $20 million a year. I don't care if your name's Mike Trout. You're getting sent down to AAA ball. What? Gotta get paid $35 million to bet AAA and play against the Mud Hens. Talking about guys that are not that good, but get paid millions and millions of dollars. Milan Lucic. Oh, I was about to say LeBron James, but okay. Okay. <laughs> his his success in Los Angeles is not his fault. A, he's old, and B, you, you don't got a lot there. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's, their, own, it's their own game right. fault. If, if they just sign one more player, they'll be a championship team. That's how it is in the NBA. Oh my god, we got Steph Curry. Oh my god, we got Kevin Durant. Oh, dude, oh, yeah, we, we need to bring in Demarcus Cousins. Oh my god. No, this is not the NBA. Milan Lucic got Tim and said more. Milan Lucic got ejected from the game the other night after he put against St. Louis. Against St. Louis after he put one Oscar Sunkfist into the boards. The same Sunkfist that got. Killed by Tom Wilson. Yep. That poor kid's had a rough year. Well, this time it's not a head injury necessarily, but he was taken. He's probably got more mental and emotional trauma more than anything, but okay. Uh, Yeah, I mean, what, what happened really was that they had, there was a play right in front of the net. The Right puck, in front of the net. The puck was brought to the, kind of the side, going to the corner, and then Milan Lucic decided to push Oscar Sungfist. And Milan Lucic was probably like, so, oh, I'm okay, not, so I'm like, not that strong. So I'm not that big. Pushes down like 150 pound. Okay, he's a Oscar little bigger than that. But Just a, okay, he went into the board, slid in hard, and in a call that play that would not have been called 20 years ago, game misconduct. Now, my initial thought on it is, well, Lucic is trying to clear the front of the net. Devil's advocate. The puck was already in the corner, though. Like I said. The that puck was, was already in the corner. You basically cross-checked him from behind. Well, that's that kind of hit. If you hit him in the lower back, it pretty much loses their sense of balance. Yeah, if you hit him in the in the, and even if you hit him in the like the top of the back, you're gonna make him go head first straight into the boards. That's a dangerous play. Well, that's why you hit him in the lower back. So hopefully he doesn't go flying head first in the boards. I mean, he still went flying into the boards, and he still went out for. I don't know if he went got back in the game. Um, I don't have that information on the top of my head, but needless to say, that's a dangerous hit. That doesn't that doesn't belong here. If anything, you know, you just like get, give him a tap on the butt or something. I don't know. Well, I haven't seen anything from player safety, not yet at least, because if I if I remember correctly, this was posted was this, on was this last night or this was two nights ago. So yeah, so there's not there's been nothing, and I don't think I think they, since they gave him a game misconduct and. It, Sunquist wasn't perennially injured, and it wasn't a it wasn't a super dangerous hit. Was it a dumb play? Was it a play that the league's trying to get rid of? Absolutely, because remember all the icing. There's a reason why there's hybrid icing now, folks, because of plays like that, plays like that would ha- used to happen all the time. So that's why the fact that if they had given maybe a two minute minor for roughing or boarding or something like that, you probably would see a fine or a suspension coming out of this. Yeah, that's why I think that they, since they gave him misconduct, all right, do, did the did the crime? He's done the time. Move on. I think it would only probably only been one game anyways, given the fact that, like I said, not a super dangerous hit, but not a safe play. He already got the penalty. Done. Move bon. on forward. Done. Boom. Bon. Is it a dumb play? Sure. It was a very dumb play. And I, I, don't, I don't think it, 
Because listen, you you You're, don't. You know what? They're you know we're frustrated. <laughs> Sorry, the whole thing I think of is asking Lucic in post game, and I go back to the the play fun games. Um, Jared Kiso doing the the NHL player interviews, the or hockey uh, media relations one on one. Well, you know we're a real frustrated group of guys. Yeah, in here. yeah. A real frustrating. Well, there was a picture of you. There was a picture of you wearing a Superman outfit in the tournament. Uh, you know, uh, we got our, got our role players you know, playing, playing our roles, roles and uh, just got to... You know, unfortunately, you know, a lot of things happen out here as you realize the coach, but the fault at the players. Uh, get books oh, deep, man. get books in it, and... Uh, Wins them up. Uh, Wins them up. All right, games. that's it, guys. <laughs> All right, that's it, guys. Thank uh, you. Oh thank, you for, thank you very much. And that was the voice he used to. It was just really nice and um, low and everything. Hockey Media Relations 101, folks. There's two of them. You got to look them up. Uh, Jared Kiso, you know, Letter Kenny. Was it true that um, you were at a nightclub? You nope. Know? Yep. <laughs> you had four lines. Four lines. Four lines. Four lines. Anyways, but no, yeah. Where were we? Um, Bad call. Well, not bad call. Bad play by Lucic. Stuff's happening in Toronto. That's not good. Tampa is is dominant. Tampa's going to be too good for their own good. That, yeah, that's the best way to put it. Good good episode of Center of Sport. Remember, 95-96, 62 wins for Detroit. Who do they lose to? Colorado. Who's going to be the Colorado this year, boys and girls? Um, well, Brayden, they, hey, Brayden no. Holby is one of the best goaltenders in the league. Patrick Wall is the best goaltender in the league. There you, go. you know, it might just... Again? I again. mean, here's the thing. It might just be Columbus. Dude, if Columbus beats Tampa, is this Dude, because, I mean, think about Bobrovsky, Wah, two both kind of weird names, really good goal, really good goaltenders. What is, how's Wah Panarin is the new Sackick. No, and no, no. Let's no, see. No. Fully. Who, who's Adam Foote for that team? Uh, Who's the worst defenseman that actually plays our eight? Seth Wilson. There we go. You Seth Jones? <laughs> Whatever. Seth Jones. Seth Wilson, the, wrong name. Who cares? Okay, Don the, Cherry. The, no, it's ah, that Seth Wilson guy. Uh, he's kind of funny. He's the love child of Seth Jones and Tom Wilson. He can hit like a mother, but he can kind of shoot. He can kind of shoot. Zach Orensky, Let's be honest here, folks. There you go. Gosh, Zach Orensky, What a who's the Claude Lemieux on that team? For, I don't want to say for Columbus. I don't want to say Felino, but Felino is probably the toughest guy on that team. But he's the captain. I, I, he's funny. Well, Felino actually got a he got a little plug in the last yeah. in last season. When's that on Hulu? Darn it! Yeah, come on, Hulu, get with it. You said it was gonna be up when it's up. Well, it's the season's up in Canada. Why can we have it back down here? Because I want. I have questions. Because it costs more money. That's I don't why. care. I'll pay fifteen bucks a month to watch Hulu if I get my letter. Can you f- on on spot? No, on the spot. <laughs> actually, did you see what that Hulu and Spotify? Are? Well, it's a couple weeks old now, but Hulu, if you have a Spotify account, you get Hulu free if you pay, I think, a little bit more. Yeah. You get Spotify that's premium a thing. Hulu. I want it. And you also can get HBO. HBO. Yeah, that's a thing. We got, we got cars and things. And HBO! Yeah. Home, home box. Hey, man, I'll do it. Um, we're doing it, man. We're, do, we're doing it, man. We're doing it, man. Here we go! We're doing it, man! We're doing it, man. Um, but that's going to be it for me today. Obviously we're going to have a, we're going to run around a post show with, with Tyler doing a post show. It's part of the show. Just later. on. It's the the post me part of the show. Everyone's like crap tires by himself. Everybody run. No, wait a second guys. This is, if you really like yourself, you should cut the episode right here. Click. But now if you're a big junior hockey fan, stay tuned because I'm going to preview a quick little preview of the CHL playoffs. I'm going to go through all three leagues. I did my work on puck 77. I just want to relay it to you guys here on the Cule podcast, so you can kind of hear my reasoning behind it, other than my words, because somehow they let me post stuff myself now over at Puck77, 
Josh and Justin like, yeah, Ty, you can edit your own stuff now. You're doing all right. And I'm like, are you sure? Because ECHL, whenever they send me my edits back, it's a lot of red ink. So, but yeah, I yeah. did a lot of that. So I'm going to give it back to you guys. So yeah. Alex, happy trails. Get the heck out of my show. For me, I mean, obviously Tyler will do his own sign off, but I'll do my sign off. Thank you no, so much for listening to the Keel Podcast. I am your host as always. See you next time. Tyler, take it from here. Thank you, Alex. So, folks, it is that time of the year once again, springtime. The leaves are kind of coming back. Flowers starting to blossom. Not quite yet. Still a little bit of snow on the ground here down in the States, probably up in Canada as well. The CHL playoffs getting kicked off here starting Thursday night as the OHL will kick off the second season. And we're going to go through each series one by one here, kind of give a little bit of a little bit of a preview for each one. I did a lot of my work, of course, on Puck 77. You can check out my work if you go on puck77.com and check out all the other great writing we have from our lovable writers and all of our other contributors for Puck 77. Josh and Justin do a wonderful job editing that site. And they allowed me to give you the give you all the ins and outs of CHL hockey throughout the season. And now, of course, the playoffs are here. So let's get into it. We're going to talk about the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League first. And starting out in the East... You have Ryan Aranda Huskies against the Shawinigan Cataracts. And let's be honest, folks, the Huskies have been one of the best teams in the CHL. They finished with the most points. And, I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible how good this team has been from start to finish. And you, you will see that from time to time with junior hockey teams, especially, you know, you'll always have one outstanding team. And they'll, you know, they'll bulk up. I mean, look at the Huskies. I mean, yeah, Peter Abandonado, who led the team, led the league in points with 111, 82 assists. I mean, he's been an incredible, an incredible playmaker for this team. And they had guys at the deadline like Noah Dobson, who just increases the back end. And then you have a goaltender like Samuel Harvey, who may, who could be a CHL goaltender, the can, CHL goaltender of the year candidate. Excuse me. I mean, this team has prepping for a deep playoff run. There's no question about it. And then you have Schwenigan who got in by default. I mean, let's be honest. They've picked up the last seed in the playoffs. They were battling St. John for it up until the very end. And the team hadn't won a game since February the 9th. I mean, just by St. John not being able to get the job done and get a win, I mean, they did not have a whole lot going in. I mean, they have, they have Yandras and Maverick Bork leading the way in points with 62 and 54 respectively. But there's not a whole lot going for this team, so I'm definitely picking the Huskies in four in this one as they're pretty much just going to tool, retool themselves, getting ready for the second round. The next round will be the second seed Drummondville Votagers versus the Gatineau Olympique. And Drummondville has been another team that's just been really good this year. Had it not been for Aranda, Drummondville may be the best team in this hockey league, in the Quebec Junior League. I mean, they've scored the most goals more than any other CHL team, not just in the Quebec League, the entire league. This team has been offensively dominant. And Joseph, it's funny, Joseph Lino's early in score with only 104 points. But that just goes to show on how deep the scoring on this team is. They've been incredibly, they've coming into the playoffs on an incredible high. When you have guys like Nicholas Gay getting in there with points as well, just this team is very deep. And and they keep the puck out of the net as well. I mean, you got to understand how good a team can be, especially with a goaltender like Olivier Rodrigue. I mean, he's his goals against average is 2.43 second, is second to Samuel Harvey. He has 35 wins this year, which is tied for Harvey for most in the league. 
So this team, they keep the puck out of the net. They put the puck in the net. They're a formidable force heading into this first round. Gatineau, obviously not not necessarily as matched up as well. I'm, you know, you have Giordano Fanoro, who is their top gun, but with the defense Drummondville has, there's not a whole lot of room for him. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But, I mean, they have scoring from the back end from Gabriel Bilodeau. But, like I said, I don't see a whole lot going for them. I think Gatineau is out in four games as well as Drummondville gets ready for their second round using this series. Like I said, the same thing with Roy and Naranda. Kind of a bit of a prep round, just kind of getting ready for round number two. A little bit closer of a series in the next series as Sherbrooke Phoenix takes on Blainville, Beyond Armada. Sherbrooke being the three seed, Armada being the six seed. And Armada kind of was kind of struggling throughout this year. They didn't have a whole lot. I mean, they were kind of sitting, they were sitting above Schwinnigan, but of course any team was really. And they were kind of battling with Gatineau for the five, the sixth or seventh spot in the, in the league, in the conference. And they did really well. They won five out of their last six games. But they lost to Valdor, which is probably a game Armada fans and Armada players would like back. But then they lost to Ryan Miranda, which I mean everyone was losing to them this season. So they're they're going to need a lot of players to step up. Luke Henman, in particular, he totaled 14 points in his last 16 games. He's a big time playmaker. Really, is able to help create opportunities on the offensive end. And Brandon Cregan and goals going to have to be huge as well. I mean, plays if a former Phoenix goaltender got traded this season. And he's gonna he's gonna have to really step up and net if the Armada want a chance to upset the Phoenix in this series. That said, the Phoenix, you know, they're kind of they're really struggling this year. Despite finishing second or excuse me third in the Western Conference, they weren't doing so well. They went seven four and one in February. However, they lost nine of their last eleven games. You know, there's a lot to to want for this team to do well, but going into the playoffs on a low like that, I mean, obviously there's, you know, the week off, you kind of have to, you have a chance to recuperate. You have a lot to prepare for, especially against a team like Armada. You play them quite a few times this year, but you know, you, you do have that kind of sense of, all right, we need to pick this up or we're going to get burned here. And the and Armada, they've earned their way to the sixth seed. I mean, they would, they have liked to have been higher up. Obviously the loss to Valdor didn't help, but it's going to be tough here, and they're going to have to rely on a big-time player such as Samuel Poulin. And, you know, despite the team really struggling or down the stretch, he was able to – he actually has a seven-game point streak heading into this playoffs, so they have that to go off of. But I really think the way Armada's played in the last few games, last month of the season, to be exact, to get – to gain the momentum they've earned, especially with Cregan and Nett, I really like the Armada in this series. I think the Armada is able to pull off the upset. They'll beat the the Phoenix, the Sherbrooke Phoenix, in six games. The final series coming out of the Western Conference will be the Victoriaville Tigers in the fourth seed against fifth seed Val d'Or. And on paper, this could really be the tightest of the four series out of the West. I mean... The Tigers really struggled down the stretch as well. They won two. They only won two out of their final six games, and they were swept by the Armada a couple weeks ago. So, especially in a team that's higher up too, you want to have a, a better sense going into the playoffs, but this team hasn't really had an opportunity. 
but they're going to have to be led by their rookies, Igor Sidurik and Mikhail Abramov, or Abramovic, pardon me. They're going to need they're going to need to pick up their play here if Victoriaville wants to turn it around in this series. Sirduk leads all Quebec League rookies in two categories. He leads them in points with 65 and goals with 25. Meanwhile, Abramov actually is third in points among rookies with 54 points. So there is that going in. You have a lot of young talent. So obviously, in terms of the future of Victoriaville, things are looking good. In this series, we're not quite sure, but their opponent, Vald Orr, they were able to kind of have a good run of their own to kind of close the gap between these two teams. Valdor won four of their last six, while Victoriaville lost four of their, while they lost four out of their last six. And Valdor actually played a couple really close games against Ramuski. They beat Ramuski on one night. The next night, they lost in overtime. And against a team like Ramuski, too, who's been really good this season, who's really picked up their play as of late, that's kind of a big kind of boost of momentum, boost of confidence for Valdor coming into these playoffs. I like Julian Tessier. He's he's been hot all season. He's only been in, in 2019, since January 1st of this year, he's been only held off the score sheet three times. So, I mean, this kid's obviously on a big roll himself. Jonathan Lemieux, the goaltender, has been absolutely phenomenal. In the last three starts, he's had a 2.36 goals against average and a 9.3 save percentage. In the month of March, he's hot. Valdor's hot. I think it's going to be close. But I don't think Victoriaville is going to be able to turn around in time and Valdor takes this series in seven. So now looking over at the QMJHL Eastern Conference, leading off we have the number one seed Halifax Mooseheads against the number eight seed Quebec Ramparts. And folks, for those that do not know, Halifax is actually hosting the Memorial Cup this year, so they don't actually need to win the President's Cup this season if they want an opportunity to play for the Memorial Cup, given that they're hosting it. But that said, you want to have some momentum going in. So there's no question that they're going to take – they are not going to take these playoffs lightly. They're going to keep going. They're going to, like I said, fine-tune, get ready for it because they really have a really talented hockey club. I mean, just look at some of their scores. Samuel Asillon, Benoit Olivier Gru. I mean, they are going to be the top guys for this hockey club. Jared McIsaac and Justin Barron, too, have been some of the couple of the best defensemen in the QMJHL. Bar none. I mean, these guys have been phenomenal. Up and down, this roster is really good. And I think they are really outmatched a Ramparts team that lost their last five games of the regular season. I mean, but they do have some talent. Philip Kurashev, Chicago draft pick, scored 65 points, led the team. So not a lot, obviously, in terms of depth scoring. But they do have a really good rookie in Alexei Sergeyev, who's 45 points this season, placed him sixth among all freshmen in the QMJHL. So a little bit of young talent, a little bit of older talent for the Ramparts, but it's really hard to see the Mooseheads really give up a whole lot. However, I do think Quebec can pull out a win at home, so that's why I think the Mooseheads will take this series in five games. The second seed, Bay Como Draca, will take on the Moncton Wildcats. And Moncton, I wrote about them earlier this season. They were having an incredible run. They were third or fourth in the league, battling up against Halifax and Drummondville for top in the league. And then it's almost like a journalist jinx, if you will, the team started to fall off the cliff a little bit. And, you know, it's kind of a bummer, too. I mean, you still have Jeremy McKenna still leading the team with points with 97, but he only had 40 points in his last 34 games. And, yes, you think of that as, oh, he's an over-a-point-a-game player, but at the pace he was scoring, he was almost at a two-point-a-game pace he had early in the season. So having him fall off and the rest of his team fall off, that's why they fell all the way down to the seventh seed, where this team easily could have been right behind the Drakkar. And would have had to play them in the second and third round rather than the first round. 
But Moncton does have a little bit of talent on the back end. Jordan Spence, probably the best rookie defenseman in the QMJHL, arguably one of the top rookie defensemen in the entire CHL. His 49 points from the back end places him ninth in defenseman scoring and fourth in rookie scoring. So obviously lots of good look, a lot of good looks there for the young defenseman. But the Drakkar have just been absolutely phenomenal this season. They, despite maybe Drummondville and Ryan Aranda, they may have one of the best offenses of the season. I mean, they have a good San Jose draft pick in Ivan Chikovic. He's second, tied for second league, scoring with 105 points. His 43 goals is tied for fourth in the league. I mean, he's been incredible this year. Nathan Laguerre and Gabriel Fortier have been just outstanding. I mean, the, this offense, has was which was absent for the last couple of years, they really stepped up. However, their issue may come in goal, not necessarily in this series, but in the series going up down the line if they're able to get through Moncton with these. They, they picked up Alex DeRorio from St. John, expecting him to be, you know, I mean, he's an NHL draft pick. He's in the Pittsburgh system. They think he'd be all right. He went 16-7, and seven, so it's not too bad, but an 899 save percentage, that's not something you want. That's not something you trade a lot of assets for. So goaltending may be the question for Drakkar moving forward, but with the offense that they have, they may not need to worry about it too much. I think Moncton keeps it close in this series, but Bay Como's offense will just overwhelm Moncton way too much, and Bay Como will come out of this series in six games. The next series is the number three seeder Muski Oceanic taking on Shikutami Saganines. And, well, I mean, let's be honest. The Muski Oceanic is Alex Alexis Lafreniere's audition for the National Hockey League. I mean, they're already picking him to be the next, the 2020, excuse me, first overall pick. He's been he's been incredible, and let's be honest. If you ask me, if he was used a little more in the World Junior Tournament, who knows would have been if would have been different for Canada. But then again, Tim Hunter didn't watch any of the Quebec League films, so I digress. However, I mean, this was a team that didn't have a whole lot, but with the with the surgence of Lafreniere, who ended the season tied with Chekovich in points with 105 for second in the league. I mean, it's incredible how good he has been. He has 25 points on the 25 assists on the power play alone. He's an incredible playmaker, incredible shot, good looks, good hands. And he actually, and this team has an incredible back end as well, especially on the power play with Charles Edouard Destus. He has 66 points, which leads all Quebec League defensemen in scoring. And that's that's just amazing to have not just an incredible scoring on the front end and the back end as well. And with Lafreniere up front, he's been playing a lot with Jimmy Huntington, and he's been had a much better season this year. He's got 92 points, which is second on the team. I mean, that's just what happens when you have a talented player like Lafreniere, Lafreniere up front. You have guys that around them that will just produce more and create more opportunities for themselves as well and gaining confidence for that. That's what Ramuski has going into this postseason. Shakutami obviously does not have the same offensive arsenal that Ramuski has, so it's going to really come down to goaltender Alexis Schenk. And Schenk, you know, had a pretty good season. He went 27-11-4 for the Saganines. And his 2.61 goals against average and 9-1-3 save percentage are both six best among goaltenders in the Quebec League. That's going to be really, really tough for him. He's going to have a lot of workload. However, Shakutami's really held their own. They've won four of the seven meetings this season. So they have that going for them going into this series. So Armuski is going to have that in the back of their head, but they're on a run too. So it's going to be a very close series. 
But I just think Ramuski may come in a little too overconfident, and Shank will steal the show. Shank will shank the opportunity of a Memorial Cup away from the Oceanic. And crickets go everywhere. Nonetheless, I pick Shakutami to upset the Oceanic in seven games. Charlottetown Islanders and Cape Brent Screaming Eagles is the final series we'll look at here in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. The Islanders are the fourth seed in this series against the five-seeded Screaming Eagles. This could be a really good one here. The Islanders have been on an incredible run as of late. They are, they've won 10 of the last 13 games, two of which came over Cape Breton, and a shootout win over Halifax to end the regular season, towards the end of the regular season. I mean, that's huge going into this playoffs. I mean, having a win against the number one seed in your conference, that's going to give the Islanders a lot of momentum going into this series. They don't have a, a massive amount of scoring, but... Daniel Hardy is probably going to be the go-to guy in this series for the Islanders. If, there, if there's a guy that you're going to watch if you're the Screaming Eagles you want to keep an eye on, it's going to be Hardy. He's registered a point in each of his final six games, 10 assists as well. He's going to be a guy that's going to lead the offense for the Islanders. So the Screaming Eagles are going to have to keep an eye out on him. Kate Brenton also has been on good, pretty good pace going into these playoffs. They've won, they went 5-2-1 in the month of March. And they won seven of their last 10 games. I mean, this team is pretty much just, I mean, like I said, these two teams are kind of in the same boat heading into this series. Both are really hot, with a lot of momentum going in. Mitchell Lefriere and Mitchell Bamas have been pretty much the two leaders of the Screaming Eagles offense this season. Lefriere had 74 points this year, while Bamas had 43 goals, which tied him for fourth most among goal scorers in the entire Quebec Junior Hockey League. It's going to have to be, they're going to have to really step up if this team wants a chance in this series. It's going to be close, but Charlottetown, another seven-game series, it'll go to the Islanders. I don't think the Screaming Eagles have enough offense. In Charlottetown, I think it's just a little bit hotter going into this series. Moving over to the Ontario Hockey League now, looking at the Eastern Conference first round over there, the Ottawa 67s are taking on the Hamilton Bulldogs. And you talk about quite a bit of a drop-off for the Bulldogs. This team last year finished first in the East, first in the league, made it all the way to the Memorial Cup final, and lost to the lost to Acadie Bathurst. And you know what? I mean, that's what happens in this in junior hockey. They you know they traded away some star players, McKen- Mackenzie Antwistle to be in particular, had a couple players move on. So yeah, you'll take a bit of a dip, but they were able to make a make a run and get a spot in the playoffs, just barely. And they have actually a really good young forward, Arthur Kellyev, who's a, he had 102 points this year, tied for six in the OHL in scoring. That just tells you how, how crazy the scoring's been in the Ontario League this season. When you have 102 points and you're still not even in the top five in scoring. But, like I said, this Bulldogs team is going to have a lot. He has 51 goals for Kellyev. He's going to be the be-all, end-all for this Hamilton offense in this series. 51 goals, it was, was fourth in the league, so... You know, he's going to have to really step up his game as well. He's going to have to have his teammates help out. But like I said, he's going to have to be the X factor for the Bulldogs in this series. That said, they're going off up against a really good Ottawa 67s team. I mean, they, they've just, they've almost waltzed through the Eastern Conference season. Waltzed through the regular season. Ty Fel, Felhaber has been incredible. 109 points, which is third in the league in scoring. His 59 goals is second. 
I mean, they've only gave up, they gave up a league low of 183 goals. I mean, defensively, this team is sound. They have a lot of great talent on the back end. And the top six players in plus minus in this league are all from Ottawa. That's just bonkers. But then again, when you have guys like Mikey DiPietro and Cedric Andre in the back end, yeah, you know what? You're not going to give up a lot of goals. Those two guys have been absolutely incredible in net this season for the 67s. But it's it's going to be hard for Hamilton in this series. Ottawa has won all six games in convincing fashion. I mean, Matthew Strong may help out Kelly Evan this series, but the offense is shallow for both for the Bulldogs, especially with the goaltending and net too. They're not going to have a whole lot of opportunities to get pucks in the back of the net. Hamilton may get a win at home ice. I, I don't think they can win over the Civic Center in Ottawa. So I say the 67s will take the series in five games. Moving on to the Niagara Ice Dogs against the North Bay Battalion. And guys, let's be honest. This Niagara Ice Dogs team offensively is stacked. I mean, we talked about Drummondville just a few minutes ago. Niagara probably would compete for them. I mean, yes, Drummondville scored more goals, but man, Niagara is deep. They are really, really good. You have 300-plus point players. Kill Thomas, Ben Jones, each had 102 points. Jason Robertson, who won the Eddie Powers Memorial Trophy for leading score, put up 117 points. They added, You talk about a huge pickup from Kingston. I mean, this kid is incredible. The, the California-born Northville, Michigan, I guess Northville, Michigan bred player, if you will. I mean, he's been absolutely incredible. I mean, he scored more points than any other player in the CHL. Incredible talent. Was a big part of the U.S. World Junior Team in the World Junior Tournament. And when this kid gets to the NHL, oh, oh boy. I mean, Dallas has got a good pickup there. That's a huge pickup for that team. And you want to talk about adding more offense? Robertson's the guy. North Bay, despite finishing seventh in the conference, they were able to kind of, they had to earn that spot too. They lost six straight at the end of February into early March. But then they had to win three in a row to earn a playoff appearance. And they that was a big moment for this team that they wanted to get in. And they're led by Justin Brezzo. Brezzo is pretty much North Bay Battalion this season. He has been incredible. He has 113 points, which is second behind Jason Robertson. By the way, fourth among all players in the Canadian Hockey League. He has 61 goals, which is most in the OHL, most in the CHL. He's been an incredible player this year. There's He's got an incredible touch around the net. And the, the funniest part is, he was an undrafted forward. Teams are knocking at the door, calling his agent, calling everything, trying to find a way to get this kid. The Leafs have been looked at, have been looking at him. The Red Wings have been looking at him. Everyone should be looking at this kid. He's got an incredible scoring touch. He can put the puck in the back of the net at an incredible rate. He has 20 points in his last 10 games of the season. Unfortunately, though, for North Bay as a whole, that's all they have. If Brazo gets shut down, especially with a goaltender like Steven and Dylan in net for Niagara, that may be it. And the Ice Dogs have done a really good job defensively as well. So I don't know if Brazo gets a whole lot of room. If he breaks out, sure, the North Bay will have an opportunity to, to make this series close. I just don't think it's going to be enough. I think Niagara will take this series in five games. The Oshawa Generals are taking on the Peterborough Peets as the Generals are the three seed in the East against Peterborough, who is the six seed. But despite the fact that Peterborough is a six seed, they may be one of the better teams heading into this first round of this series. They won seven out of the last ten games, and 
they actually, it's funny, they beat the 67s and then lost them in overtime. So they have, they can show that they're playing against really good hockey teams. And Jason Robertson's brother, we just talked about him, his brother Nick has been big for the Peets this season. He's the second leading scorer on the Peets with 55 points. And one of the trades that Ryan, that the Peets made earlier this year was they got Ryan Merkley from Guelph, and we'll get to Guelph in a second here. But he's been a really solid defenseman on the back end. He's brought some stability, some veteran presence on the blue line, and his playmaking abilities are incredible. He's got 71 points this year, which actually leads the Peets in scoring, and his second in OHL defenseman scoring as well. But the Generals, though, have been incredibly hot as well. They won seven out of the last ten games, just like the Peets. And Roger Hunt, the general manager for Oshawa, made a couple of really big moves to make this team better. He was able to get Brandon Sajan from Hamilton and Anthony Celatrini from Sarnia. Sajan has been incredible. His 92 points leads the team in scoring, and his 55 assists are tenth, are tied for 10th in the OHL in that category. And among those 55 assists, Sajan's got a lot of passes over to Celatrini. Let me tell you, he's, got four, he's lit the lamp 48 times as the former Sting forward, which is tied for 7th in the league in goal scoring. I mean, it's... Those two have clicked almost immediately since coming over around the same time, and Roger Hunt made a big deal that that's going to be the two that are leading the Generals here in the playoffs. It's going to be a close one. Even though Oshawa won six of the eight games, like I said, Pete's are coming in playing really well. Merkley is going to have to be a huge, a huge part for the Pete's if they want to have any opportunity. But Oshawa has been really good at home. The Tribute Community Center this season, they're 21-10-3. And you know what? The goaltenders are really going to step up. Hunter Jones has been has been solid for Peterborough this season. But Kyle Kaiser, Kyle Kaiser may just be the game-breaker that the Generals need, not just in this series, but moving forward. He has a 9-1-5 save percentage this season, which is second best in the Ontario Hockey League. He's going to steal the show. And I think Oshawa will take this series in six games just because of how good Kaiser has been for the Generals this season. The last series we're going to talk about here in the East is the Sudbury Wolves and the Mississauga Steelheads. Now, yes, folks, for those that probably have not paid attention to junior hockey this year, the Sudbury Wolves are actually a pretty good hockey team. And, you know, we'll get to the reason, the reason why they're a really good hockey team, but they actually have a couple pretty solid players. Adam, Adam Rzichka has been a huge player. Huge pickup from Sarnia. He scored 41 points in 30 games since coming over to Sudbury. And Quentin Byfield has been incredible as well. He's been one of the best rookies in the league. He has 61 points, which finished third in rookie scoring. But let's make no bones about it. The reason why Sudbury's been as good as they are this season is Yuko Pekka in the goaltender. There's a reason why Finland won the World Junior Championship, and it's because of the big guy in net. He went 38-11-4 this season for the Wolves with a 2.50 goals against average and a league-leading 9.20 save percentage. Guys, this guy is incredible. He is going to be the reason why the Wolves have any success in this postseason. Whether up front they're able to stay consistent with offense and with able to score, but giving up goals is, shouldn't, is not going to be their problem I with the way Lukanen's played. Mississauga, they've really struggled. They, this team could have been a top-three team, but they really struggled in the last couple months of the season. I mean, Thomas Harley and Cole Carter have been their go-to guys. Carter scored, I mean, Carter, look at him, he's got 68 points this season, which is second on the team. Thomas Harley has had to have been really important. He's he's really helped the offense in the blue line. 
He's got 58 points this season, which is eighth among OHL defensemen. But, like I said, they, they've really struggled in the last few weeks, especially going in the playoffs. Bit of a lull with losing 8 of 11 games to end the regular season, while Sudbury won 8 of their final 11. I mean, these two teams head in separate directions, especially with Lucan and Annette. I don't think the Steelheads can beat this monster of a goaltender. I think the Wolves will take this series in five games. Now as we look over to the Western Conference, we go right up to the top with the London Knights against the Windsor Spitfires. And Windsor, man, you talk about a team that got in barely. They got in, they earned their playoff spot in the second to last day of the regular season. Even though they won one game out of their final 10. You know, and you kind of see this with teams that really struggle throughout the year. I mean, especially since I got rid of Mikey DiPietro. I mean, this team knew they were not going to be as good this year. That's why they moved DiPietro over to Ottawa to get something in return. They got a lot back for him. So obviously the future has something to behold for the Spitfires. However, this series are going to have to look for Jean-Luc Foudy and Will Cooley to really step up this season. I mean, the two rookies are going to have to really show their stuff here against a veteran London team. Cooley's 41 points is seventh among rookies, while Foodie has been probably one of the best playmakers on this Windsor team, with his 41 assists being the most among OHL rookies, while 49 points sits him fifth in rookie scoring. But once again, it's the London Knights of the story once again. I mean, it's surprise, surprise, everybody. Yeah, the London Knights are good. Again, they're... I mean, they just they find a way to do it. When you have guys like Dale Hunter running an incredible organization, you'll find a way to do it. And Kevin Hancock may have been one of the big pickups this season for the Knights. 107 points puts him fifth in league scoring. I mean, he's been incredible up front, but the back end has been even more impressive for the Knights. Adam, Evan Bouchard and Adam Bockfist are, once again, maybe two of the best defensemen in the, in the CHL. Probably one of the better two. I mean, obviously you're showing how good a defense court can be. Having those two guys and having the ability to put them on separate pairings is amazing. Bogfuss has a plus 12 this season for the Knights and is in sixth in defenseman scoring with 60 points. Evan Bouchard only, don't forget, Evan Bouchard started off the year with Edmonton, got his few games in, got some NHL experience, which is good for him, showing kind of seeing how he measures up against the big leaguers. And he, and he totaled 53 points in 45 games. You almost wonder what would have happened if he played a full season. I mean, this guy could have easily put in 75, 80 points with the way he was scoring with the Knights this year. I mean, so you're just looking at you're looking at a very confident, very swagger-looking Knights team against a Windsor team that's very young, a little bit of an experience, and kind of hitting a slide. So I think Windsor, you know, the kids will probably want to come out hard in one of their home games, depending on how the first two games go in London in the Budweiser Gardens. I think Windsor gets one, but that's about it. And Knights definitely, Knights will take this series in five games. The Saginaw Spirit... The Sarnia Sting are the next series. Saginaw is the second seed in the OHL, while Sarnia is the seventh seed. Now, the Sting, you know, last couple of years they've been kind of towards the top of the conference. This year they've really, really struggled some tough stretches. They lost 10 out of 11 after the new, right after the new year, but they were able to, you know, bunker down, come together, and able to find a way there, find a way to get into the playoffs in the final weekend of the regular season. I mean, Hugo Lefanius and Ryan McGregor have been the top dogs this year for the Sting. And Jacob Perot has been a really good player in his rookie season. And defenseman Mitch Elliott may have just been 
one of the top scoring defensemen as well. He's 10th in defenseman scoring with 55 points. And Perot, who has 55 points, has, is fourth in rookie scoring. So, you know, you have talent on the front and, of course, talent on the back end too. And Jacob Perot obviously showing a little bit of light for the future for Sarnia. And Saginaw, you know, that was a team that was going to be in the middle of the pack. But then Dave Drinkle makes a huge move to get Mississauga's Ryan McLeod and Owen Tippett just days apart. Owen Tippett may not have been producing the same rate he was after the World Junior Tournament, but Ryan McLeod has really helped out as well. Tippett had 74 points this year, which was tied for the team leading scoring. Ryan McLeod has been a huge pickup on the back end. And then you have a rookie like Cole Perfetti. Perfetti has been amazing his rookie year. 74 points. He could easily be rookie of the year with him leading all rookies in scoring. And then you have another good back-end defenseman. And then you have Bodie Wild coming in from the back-end, New York Islanders draft pick. He has 70 points, which is third among defensemen. I mean, you got to look at this team. You have back-end scoring, front-end scoring, got rookies really stepping up. The, st- the Spirit have a lot. And I just don't think the Sting have enough to really hold their own. I mean, Ivan Provatov in net for the Saginaw Spirit has been one of the best in the league as well. So you have that going for you. The Sting don't quite have the same goaltending they used to have. So home ice will be key. But despite the fact that the Sting have held their own in their own building, I don't think the Sting Sting have enough against the Spirit. They don't have enough in the tank. I think the Spirit will sweep the Sting in this series. The Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds and Owen Sound attack is the next series we're going to talk about here. The Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, who the last few years, I mean, they've done incredibly well in the recent memory. The former Kyle Dubas general manager team is home ice, has home ice for the third year in a row with guys like Barrett Hayton, Cole McCage, Jordan Sandbrook. I mean, those guys go those guys this year are the depth scorers for this team. That just tells you how good this team is. When you guys have when you have world junior players just sitting there kind of being like pretty much your second tier scoring. But let's be honest, probably one of the best players on this team is Mac, Mac Hollowell. He's only gotten better since getting drafted. You see some guys that play incredibly well going in their draft year. He's gotten better since he's been drafted. I mean, he just signed an entry-level deal, an eventual entry-level deal with the Leafs. He led all defensemen in the OHL in scoring with 77 points. He had a nine-game point streak in February. I mean, they have been, with the back end of Hollowell and the depth scoring has been well, they have been phenomenal as my brother, you would always say. But Morgan Frost is the guy you have to talk about. I mean, he had 109 points this year. He was, from game one on, he never let up. He continually put points on the board. He didn't really ever seem to have a lull of a stretch. I mean, he was held at the score sheet a couple times, but still, he still was able to create plays, cause havoc in the offensive zone. He's going to be the Greyhounds leader through this playoff run, depending on how far they can make it. And Owen Sound... Despite what they did at the deadline, there's a lot of, we'll get into the team they dealt with. They lost a lot of huge pieces and they, they didn't, they knew they weren't going to be that good. And I, I talked to Matt Sanderson, who's who follows the Owen sound attack. And, you know, they, they know they have a lot of younger talent and they didn't want to waste an opportunity to gain more assets for the future on guys like Nick Suzuki, Sean Dursey and others. So they made a trade with they made the trades with Guelph, and they're a little bit younger, but they still made the playoffs. So that gave a lot of opportunities for other players. 
they required Barrett Kerwin in some of the deals. And on his new team, he, with new with more ice time, more opportunities, he did all right, scoring 22 points in 29 games. And guys that are, you know, guys like Maskim Shushko and Adam McMaster, they are they're going to be guys that are going to have to step up as well. And given, with these guys getting more ice time than the big guns they used to have, it allows them to develop more as well. So Owen Sound may not be as good this year, but that said, you're seeing guys get more opportunities, which will lead to next season in the future. That's what that's where some teams really seem to step up on it in the junior ranks. Is you know, yeah, you have a good team now, but are you good enough to win? If you're not good enough to win, yeah, all right, let's sell off our big pieces, get some younger ones in return, and let them develop. So then, in a couple of years or year or even one year, we'll be a team that can contend. So I think that's why the attack are taking this this approach here to this season. And it made a big, it's going to make a big difference here, I think in the long run. But that said, I think the Greyhounds, obviously this year, they're going to be the ones take the crown, take the series here. I'm going to say they're going to do it in five games. And the team we just talked about, the Guelph Storm, they are the fourth seed in the Western Conference against the number five seed Kitchener Rangers. Now, yes, they are the four and five seed. However, the Rangers finished 18 points behind the Storm. So that's just kind of a wide gap of the top four from the bottom four here in this conference. Boy, George Burnett, if Guelph is able to come out of it, I really think he gets GM of the year. There's no question about it. He did a lot to pick up here. The Storm acquired, you know, let's look at it. Marcus Phillips. They got Feder Gordiev, depth defenseman. Sean Dursey, who, yes, Sean Dursey is out, but they acquired big-name players. They got Mackenzie Entwistle from Hamilton, Nick Suzuki. They were going, they were going to do everything they could to be, make this team better. Despite all that, their, their, I guess their homegrown talent, Nate Schnarr, still led the team in points and sixth in the league with 102 points. So they have a lot of talent up front. Obviously, yeah, Sean Dersey is still, he's still kind of coming back here. Sean Dersey is questionable to start this series. So that's going to play into how this series may play out, especially with missing a depth, excuse me, a veteran defenseman. In Jersey, Kitchener's actually been playing pretty well too. Despite you know being definitely the underdog, they've won seven of the last eleven games. They have five guys that have put up seventy plus points, but unfortunately, other than that, though, that's all they have. They have the rest of the team has no more than thirty points. They're going to have to look at line mates Joseph Greffa and Riley Damiani. They're going to have to really step up in this series. Each each of them have both have fifty five assists this season, which are which is tied for tenth in assists in the entire league. Greg Morales is going to be on his A game as well. He's got ninety seven point season, which is tenth in league scoring. So those are going to be the three guys that are going to really have to be at the forefront for the Rangers. If they want to have success in this series. I mean, look at I mean, if you look between the two, Anthony Popovich is probably the better goaltender for Guelph, and you know Kitchener's going to really have to. They're going to have to really step up, but they have at times against Guelph this year. I mean, the the among the eight meetings, each team has won four games, and Kitchener actually won the last game. Just so we're on the twenty first, eleven days ago on March the tenth, they won uh, they won the last meeting. So Guelph obviously comes in on paper as the better team, but Kitchener, you know, with the Highway Seven rivalry, and like I said, Dursey out, Kitchener has nothing to lose in this series. They're going to go all out. And I think Guelph comes in with maybe a little too much confidence, maybe a little too much thinking that this is going to be a cakewalk of a series. And the way Kitchener's played Guelph all season, even after 
all even after the trade deadline, even after they had acquired acquired all that talent, the Rangers still took it to the storm. With that, I think Kitchener upsets Guelph in seven games. Mark my words. Kitchener in seven. So now we're going to go to the final league in the CHL, the Western Hockey League. And, of course, for those that don't know, the Western Hockey League runs things a little different. They run it more like the NHL style, a playoff format. They have the four divisions with the wild two wildcard teams. That's because they have a little bit mismatch in the West with the BC, with the teams in British Columbia and the teams in the U.S. division, which is which is fair. You don't want to have any lopsided divisions and all that. Obviously, the NHL may change that, I hope. We'll get to that later. That's another time when Alex is here for him and I to talk about it. So we'll start out in the Eastern Conference in the East Division. The Prince Albert Raiders taking on the second wildcard Red Deer Rebels. Red Deer coming out of the Central Division. Man, they really, really squeaked into a playoff spot. I mean, they they lost they lost their last four games and only won two of their final eight games. But thankfully, Brandon, the Brandon Wheat Kings couldn't win in the last weekend. So they because Brandon could have easily jumped Red Deer, or at least forced a tiebreaker game. But Red Deer was able to, you know, outlast him on based on Brandon not able to get a win. So that said, they're going to have to look at Brandon Hagel. Hagel has been, he's been the, the go-to player for the Rebels. I mean, he's fourth in league score with 102 points. I mean, the Chicago prospect is, he is it. I mean, he's going to have to steal the show. The next leading scorer is Cameron Hosinger, who only has 54 points this season. So that just tells you how far or how good Hagel is, but how far he is against the rest of his teammates. The Prince Albert Raiders, at one point, I even wrote about it once again, probably a journalist jinx, said that the Raiders probably could have set the record for the greatest season in, in CHL history. They had all of it. They were winning games. They were barely losing. I think they only lost two games by Christmas. I mean, it was outstanding how good this team was. And thank, you know, it was mainly thanks to Ian Scott, and Ian Scott in goal, Brett Leeson up front. But then the World Junior Tournament happened. Ian Scott, remember, only played one game for Team Canada. Brett Leeson played a very limited role. And, after, and especially during that World Junior break, the, the Raiders kind of showed their, I don't say their true colors, but they showed their weaknesses. They showed without the top guys like Leeson and Scott, they were not the best team. And even then after that, you know, Leeson and Scott, you know, they were still very good. And with Ian Scott actually getting WHL goaltender of the year, they were still very good. And Leeson only had 89 points, but only scored 25 points in his last 24 games. And once again, he's another guy that was getting 20, you know, two points a game. So I wonder what, how is this going to be? Noah Gregor was really good while Leeson was wearing Team Canada sweater. He had 88 points a season, which is ninth in the league in scoring. So you have, obviously, players that can score around them. But the Raiders aren't the same Raiders they are. But that said, I, I mean, you're playing up against Red Deer, who really is coming in at a bit of a lull in this playoffs. But I think Red Deer can get a win. Red Deer, I mean, the, the, playing in their barn, Red Deer, is they have a home ice advantage no matter who they're playing. Last place team, first place team. That said, I think Red Deer can get a win, but just one. Raiders in five. The other series in the East Division will be the Saskatoon Blades and the Moose Jaw Warriors. Man. Moose Jaw, despite being the third seed, can score goals. And not just up front either. I mean, they have guys like Justin Almeida, who's got 111 points, which is third in the WHL. 
Tristan Lang is probably the best two-way forwards in the league. I mean, it's 113 points, which is second in the league. But he's also sixth in plus-minus with plus 43. I mean, he's just been a huge part of not just on the offensive end, but in his own zone as well, being a very responsible forward. Braden Tracy has been an incredible rookie this year, 81 points, leading all freshmen. And then you have Jet Wu and Josh Brook on the back end. These two guys have been really good. I mean, Josh Brook has 75 points, which is tied for the most among defensemen, and Wu's got 6'6", which is fifth. When you have scoring like that on both ends of the rink, I mean, you're surprised that they're three seed. I mean, the goaltending this year has been kind of a little bit iffy. I mean, they may be looking at using Adam Evanoff in the pl- in this series, but goal scoring is not going to be an issue for the Warriors in this series. On the back end, in terms of goaltending, that may be their weak spot. But talking about the Blades, I mean, you talk about one of the hottest teams in the league. 16-2-1 the Blades have been since February 1st, including winning nine straight from February 1st to the 16th. I mean, you know, obviously you can always point at Kirby Dock and say, well, there it is right there. He's not the only guy that's been producing. Max Gerlach has been producing. I mean, he's got 42 goals and 32 assists. He ended his season on a five-game point streak. Dawson Davidson, you talk about an incredible blue liner. He tied with Josh Brook for 75 points this year, which leads the team. I mean, you're this is a team that's got, I mean, where the Musha Warriors have incredible scoring. There's a good amount of scoring for the Blades as well. They have been solid on the front end, been solid on the back end, defensively as well. Kirby Doc has not had to play the the superstar that he need that he need to be, which is a good thing. You don't want to have a younger kid like that put in that kind of a spot. Yes, I mean, obviously the Angel Scouts like to see that, but I mean, here's an opportunity for him to increase his draft stock with a, maybe a good first round series, maybe a good two series as well. And the Warriors, the way they were playing, they were kind of like I said on cruise control, which allowed Saskatoon the way how hot they were. They were able to get that second seed, get home ice advantage, which is huge. And Nolan Meyer, Nolan Meyer for the Blades in net may win the goaltending battle in the series over Evanoff. I think he's been, I mean, he's won 36 games, which is third most in the league. And you know what? The Warriors at home against the Blades have really not done well. They played six times against each other, three of them at the Mosaic Place in Moose Jaw, and the Blades have won all three. I, you know, you want to point and say, hey, you know, home ice advantage is good, but Saskatoon has proven that they don't really have it. That said, though, I think the Warriors will be able to hold themselves their own in the series. They'll be able to get a couple wins at home ice, even though they haven't done it during the season. But, like I said, the Blades, with their depth, with their consistency, with how tight-knit they are and how how well-tuned they are going into this, ser- into this series, they will eventually come out, though it will go the distance, in a seven-game series. Moving over to the Central Division now here in the East, you have the hottest team in the WHL, bar none. Saskatoon's been really good. But the Edmonton Oil Kings are on fire. If they'd been playing this way all year, they'd probably be better than Prince Albert. Let's be honest here, folks. They've won 11 straight heading in to this series. They've lost once since Valentine's Day. You go, you look up front, and obviously you see Trey Fix-Wolanski. Fix-Wolanski, the Columbus draft pick, then is tied for fourth in the league and scoring with 102 points, and the 65 assists is second in assists in the league. But one of the big reasons, of course, I mean, you always talk about having good scoring, but you got to keep the pucks out of the net as well. Dylan Miskew 
has been solid for the Oil Kings this year and has been solid as of late as well. He has a 2.53 goals against average this season, which is fifth in the league, and his 914 save percentage is ninth. But he's been incredible in his last few games. Obviously, you win 11 straight games and having a really good goaltender really pretty much goes like two peas in a pod. Well, Miskew may be one of the maybe the reason why the Oil Kings have done well in this last little bit. Mad Sogard for the Tigers has really been the reason why the Tigers are in a playoff spot right now. He is the best, not just the best rookie goaltender in the WHL, probably the best rookie goaltender in the entire CHL. He has an opportunity to win WHL Rookie of the Year. He's got my vote, and that's not just because I'm a goaltender. That's because he's been amazing this season. He has, I mean, they haven't had big-time scoring all year. They haven't needed big-time scoring all year the way Sogard's played. He's played incredible minutes. He's played some in some big games, some big moments, and he's shown his stuff. So, I mean, obviously, once again, the Danish net miner is going to have to be looked at to step up once again, this time in the playoffs. James Hamblin and Ryan Javni are going to have to really step up offensively if they want to hang with this in this series. But, I mean, you gotta you got to think that Medicine has going to have something to give, especially you can have a goaltender that will only allow two goals in the game, but if you can't score more than two goals, that's what's going to be hard for them. And that's why I think... I think, I mean, the Oil Kings are going to win this series, but I think Sogard's going to make it really tough on the top guns for Edmonton. But nonetheless, I don't think the Tigers can win at Rogers' place. That's why I'm going to give the Oil Kings to win the series in six games. The last series in the Eastern Conference we're going to talk about will be the Lethbridge Hurricanes and the Calgary Hitmen. And, you know... Calgary was going to look like they were going to be a wild card team, but they had a pretty good run in February and the end of January to move them up into a spot, into a top three position. And they won seven out of the last ten as well, including, you know, I mean, they had a couple big wins that kept them away from Medicine at Red Deer. They didn't have to battle for a playoff spot. They were set there comfortably. And, you know, you have to look at Mark Kostelik and James Malm as their top two guys. I mean, you have, they each have 77 points, They led, which led the team. Malm led the team with assists with 43, and Kostelik was one of the best goal scorers season as well. 47 goals, third among all WHL goal scorers. They're going to have to be big in this series against a Hurricanes team that, despite having you know, young talent like Dylan Cozens, who's probably going to come back next year despite arguably being a top-five pick, they you know they thought they wanted to go for it this year. So Peter Anholt went out to Regina to get, and you got Nick Henry and Jake LeCision. And... Wow, did that, those two pickups really help this team out? They were probably going to be a top-end playoff team anyways. Whether or not they were going to be a second seed would be foreseen, but adding these two guys is huge. Henry's got 97 points this season, which is seventh in league scoring. And LeCision's been a very balanced player with 81 points. I mean, Jordy Bellarive as well. You can talk about him with his presence on the power play with 24 points with the man advantage, which is second on the team. And, of course, Cousins as well. I mean... Second on the team in scoring with 84 points. Really increasing his stock as much as he can. Obviously, a good playoff series really help out as well. But they're going to be... This Lethbridge team is really good. They won 11 of the last 12 games going in. They're clicking on all cylinders. The Hitman lost three games to end the season. All of them to Edmonton. Or three of them to Edmonton, excuse me. And... You know, the Hurricanes have really dominated Calgary this year, winning five of the six meetings, including a 7-4 win just a couple weeks ago. They have too much talent up front for Calgary to handle, so I think that's why I think I'm picking Lethbridge to win this series in five games. 
Last but not least, we have the Western Conference here in the WHL. And we're going to start off in the British Columbia Division. The Vancouver Giants, the best team in the Western Conference, against the second wildcard Seattle Thunderbirds. And you know what? The Thunderbirds, despite being the last team in the coming out of the West, they've been playing pretty good as of late, winning eight of their last 11 games, including a win over Victoria and a sweep over Portland in the final weekend of the regular season. I mean, they don't have the hugest, like I said, they don't have the biggest number of scorers. They don't have any star, superstar players. But Matthew Wedman's been a, he's been a very interesting player. He's got 110 points, which leads, or excuse me, he has 77 points, which leads the team, but he also leads the team in penalty minutes with 110. I mean, talk about a guy that, despite, you know, spent a lot of time in the sin bin, has been able to produce. I mean, this guy's almost a modern-day Gordie Howe. Okay, maybe not that bit of a stretch, but talking about a guy that plays physical, gets in the way, is able to, not afraid to drop the gloves, but is able to put up points as well. I mean, that's going to be huge here, in a, especially in a dog-tight, dog dog-eat-dog playoff series. Noah Phillip may be another guy that's going to have to be looked at for Seattle. They're going to have to really rely on him to really help out offensively. He creates a lot of scoring chances, 75 points this season, and he's been important on the power play as well. 33 points of his 75 all came on the power play. So if Seattle can, if Vancouver ever gets themselves in penalty trouble, Seattle's going to have to really, they're going to have to take advantage of it when they can. But of course, they're going to look at guys like Wedman and Phillip to lead the way. And, the Giants, you know, just a few years ago, this team had three straight last-place finishes in the Western Conference. It's not good. Not good at all. But that happens at times. Don't forget, there's a reason why Connor McDavid was drafted first overall by the Erie Otters back in the day. Because the team was that bad. But this year, the Giants have really found a way to turn it around. I mean, you look up front, you have Bowen Byram, who is draft-eligible, and... He's got a plus 33, which is second on the team. I mean, he, he's been incredible. And he's also third in WHL defensive defenseman scoring. I mean, it sure is impressive to see how good he's been. And then the goaltending, too, for the Giants have been incredible as well. David Tendek and Trent Miner are probably the best goaltending tandem in this league. They're third and fourth in goals against average, with Miner's 1.98 goals against, 1.98 goals against average. And Tendex 2.48 goals against average. I would think the Giants go with Miner in this series, but like I said, with a, with a good backup, or excuse me, a 1B, if you will, in Tendek, I mean, Miner's definitely on a short leash. So that said, I think goaltending is going to be huge. Both teams doesn't score a whole lot of goals. I mean, the Giants only had 228 goals, while the Thunderbirds actually had more with 231. It's funny, too, in the four games these two teams have played, the home ice the team with home ice has not won, so home ice won't be an issue. But with that said, I think the Giants just have too much too much goaltending, even though rookie Ross Roddy's been really good for Seattle as of late. But I think the Thunderbirds give the Giants a lot of flack, give them a lot of little troubles, and the Giants probably stumble out of the gate a little bit, I think, in this series. But they will settle down, they'll figure it out, and I think they take this series in seven games. The next series will be the number two-seeded Victoria Royals against the number three Kamloops Blazers. And you talk about, and I'm no pun intended, of course, blazing your way into a playoff spot. The Blazers did that. Kamloops had to win five of their last six games to 
simply catch the Kelowna Rockets on the final day of the regular season to force a tie-breaking game. And the Blazers won that on Tuesday night. They won it 5-1 to one in a very convincing fashion. And, you know, this, this Blazers team does not have a whole lot of offense. They don't have any, like I said, not a whole lot of top-end scoring. They have just guys that just chip in when they need to. It's really been the play of rookie goaltender Dylan Grand. He has been, I mean, ever since Dylan Ferguson kind of fell off into a slump in the second half of the year, Grand's really stepped up and only gave up more than two goals once in his final six starts. I mean, especially, you know, you put a rookie into a big spot like that against some really tough teams, you know, some goaltenders will crumble under that, even veteran goaltenders. But the kid really stepped up and gave the Blazers a chance, and that's obviously why they're in the playoffs. Their opponent, obviously the Royals, they are... They have the second least amount of goals scored heading into the play. Out of all the playoff teams, the Royals have the second least amount of goals scored. The Blazers are first with 196. The Royals only scored 199. However, they ended their season not in the best way either. They lost five of their last six games, including an 8-0 loss to Kamloops. No Victoria Royal has any more than 50 points. I mean, five players have over 40, but they don't have a whole lot. I mean, Scott Walford is pretty much going to be their top guy on both ends of the rink. He's, I mean, the defenseman with 47 points, I mean, that's pretty much the big part of the offense. And it's going to be a defensive struggle in this series. You're not going to see a lot of offense. I mean, a lot of these, I mean, if all these games go to one-goal games, don't be surprised. It's going to be a lot of back and forth. And that said, though, I you know, the Royals have done really well, especially on home ice. They've won all four games in Victoria, so I think they have that going in, but you know what? With the hot grand and with the hot goaltender, that can really change a series, and I think Cam Loop's going to get this series done in six games. Now we move over to the U.S. division, and the Everett Silver Dips, once again, are pretty good. You know, I mean, they they finished third in the WHL behind Prince Albert and Vancouver, and 99 points as a team this year, and you know, they were supposed to be a little bit, they weren't supposed to be as good this year. I mean, Carter Hart moved on, so you think, oh, there's an opens a hole in goaltending. Well, you know what? Dustin Wolf really filled that hole pretty well. I mean, had it not been for Ian Scott, this guy may have won the Dell Wilson Trophy for goaltender of the year in the WHL. He was, he's been dominant. He's first in league in wins, goals against average, 1.69 goals against average, and his 9.36 percentage is also first. I mean, you know what? If Ian Scott had not been on such a good team, I think Dustin Wolf would have gotten the award. There's no question about it. This kid's been phenomenal. He's been amazing. I mean, up front, they have offense, too. I mean, you have Connor DeWar, Bryce Kindob, Zach Andrzejewski. But, man, this kid, Wolf, has just really... I don't want to say came out of nowhere, either. He played with Everett last year. He helped out. Sparingly, when Harder needed a night off. So he obviously learned a thing or two from Mr. Hart. I mean, this. I mean, I think he's going to be the game changer for silver, for the Silver Tips, the same way Carter Hart was, and that's no joke. They're taking on the Tri City Americans, who had the first wild card spot in the West, and they aren't. Fortunately, they are not looking too good. They they didn't. I don't want to say they squeaked in the playoffs, but they were a team that could have finished close to Portland, who was third. We'll get to them in a minute. But they lost ten out of the last eleven games. And, you know, Parker O'Coin is their lead scorer, and he's really got to turn things around as well. I mean, they're they're just kind of going in on, on not a good note. You know, you want to have some momentum in the playoffs. I mean, they, they had it pretty well locked up ahead 
of Seattle, but man, you talk about a team that I mean, if I, this season probably gone a week or two longer, I think Seattle will be the first wild card team, and Tri City would be on the just on the fritz of maybe not making the playoffs. But they're going to have to battle hard. But I think Everett's just going to have too much, especially with the goaltending and the type of defense that Everett has. I don't see Tri City getting any offense going, and I'm picking Everett in four. We're down to the last playoff series here in our CHL first round preview. And we have the Spokane Chiefs against the Portland Winterhawks. Spokane Chiefs were the second seed, with Portland Winterhawks being the third seed. Now, if you had looked at this series at the beginning of the season, with all the talent Portland has, you may think Portland would be the second seed. Or why are they even the second seed? Well, how about the first seed? Well, let me tell you. They had, an incredible, they had a really good start to the year. They could have contended for a division title, but then... So a week after, a little over a week after Valentine's Day on the 23rd of February, Cody Glass, I don't know if you guys have seen the video yet, you guys can look it up yourselves, suffered a very bad-looking knee injury. It ended his season. He's rehabbing right now, but obviously he's not back for the playoffs. And you know what? This team has not been the same. I mean, Joachim Blickfeld, who ended up leading the WHL in points of 114 and tied for the most goals with 53, that was about it. I mean, they didn't have a whole lot. It's It's been tough without glass, and that's why this team's really slumped in the second half of the season. That's why they fell all the way back to third in the division. And, you know, this team with a lot of high expectations, you lose a star player like that, an X-factor like glass, I mean, that's what happens to a team. There, You, you have Blickfeld, and I, I like the kid. He's an incredible talent, but you can't do it all by himself. And you're going to go up against the Chiefs, who... You know what? They, a team that probably would have finished third, maybe wildcard spot, but they had an incredible run. They went 7-2 and two in the month of March and were able to snatch the home ice advantage away from Portland. Riley Woods has been really good this season. He's leading scorer, registered 10 points in the month of March. And then Ty Smith on the back end, I mean, he has been really good as well. He's fourth in defenseman scoring in the WHL with 69 points. Nice. And you know what? I like... I want. I would have loved to see Portland take on Chiefs with a, with Cody Glass, and I think that this series would be a lot different had that been the case. But Blakefield can't carry the team by himself, and the way the Chiefs are as hot as they are with the momentum they have and the depth this talent the team has, and how, like I said, how close knit this team has become in the last couple months, I think the Chiefs take this series in six. And that wraps up our CHL first round preview. See if we'll do another one for the second round as well. Of course, obviously, with the series ending differently, the series, that second round series for each league may start at differing times. But action starts tonight, actually, with the OHL action kicking off, and then WHL and Quebec League both start on Friday. Some last minute NHL news here Jean Gabriel Pajot of the Ottawa Senators had been suspended one game for boarding the Vancouver Canucks Ashton Sautner. So there's that. So ending this one, all alone I am. I want to thank you guys if you were able to suck around for all three league previews. I want to thank you so much for sticking around and hearing the good word on junior hockey up in Canada and the northern United States. I mean, obviously it's fun. Make sure you check out Puck77, not just for my pieces on junior hockey, but all of our other contributors and their great work around the NHL, junior hockey, minor leagues. We have a lot of great writers, and we have Alex Hobson, Justin Minor, Josh Tesler has been helping everyone out. It's going to, I mean, it's an incredible page. I suggest all of you to go check it out. 
And for now, I'm Todd Kiel signing off here. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Kiel Podcast. Once again, if you want to get in on the conversation, use the hashtag the Kiel Podcast or tell me how boring I was all by myself by tweeting us at the Kiel Podcast. Thank you guys very much once again for listening to another episode of the Kiel Podcast. Good night, everybody. Hey.